Electricast. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time, the Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to episode one of the Sunday Night Sports Wrap, the flagship show of the SNSW Network with Rayshon Buchanan, Dave Clark, Bob Kelly, Mike Marcangelo, the best producer in the game, Craig D'Alessandro. I am Joe Malkin, and again, welcome to the Sunday Night Sports Wrap. We're doing this a little bit more for real this time around, guys. Um, You know, just to give everybody kind of a rundown uh, of where this started a couple months ago. Um, we did a show in June, uh, when we all came back together, uh, and we decided to start doing it monthly. And once we did our show in July, we said, we're going to do this for real. So, uh, over the next two hours, we're going to give you a rundown of what's to come on the Sunday night sports wrap, the SNSW, uh, network, and, uh, kind of give you a a little bit of history of, of where we came from and, and why we're here now. Um, we'll be answering questions, responding to your comments. Don't be shy. Let us know, uh, whether it's. Uh, during the show or after the show, you can reach out to us on uh, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, we also have a YouTube where all of our episodes will be uh, uploaded to afterwards. And you can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeart. Uh, on Twitter, we are at NightRap. On Instagram, we are at NightRap SNSW. We are Sunday Night Sports Wrap on Facebook, the SNSW Podcast on YouTube. So um, if you need to find any of those, the links will be in the descriptions below and on our Buzzsprout Buzzsprout page at snsw.buzzsprout.com. Buzzsprout, say that five times fast. (laughs) Um, Before we get into the show, uh, we have a lot to talk about today, uh, from the Bruins to the Celtics to the Red Sox to the NFL um, and we're going to try and get to, to everything we can. But before we get started, I would like to wish Rayshon a happy 30th birthday. Uh, Rayshon turned 30 on Friday. Um, you know, I think he's, I think he might be the youngest one here. You're the baby of the show, Ray. Happy I birthday. Am. Yeah, appreciate it, man. Uh, you know, and it's, uh, it's a heck of a birthday gift. Yeah, <laughs> glad we could provide it for you. So uh, really quick, I do want to go around the room. Uh, again, you know, we've – We've come a long way here, guys, and uh, I'll actually I'll start with Rayshon because uh, we're going to go alphabetically, um, except for Craig, who will get to go last before me. Uh, but uh, Ray, give us give us a few words here, man, as we open up. Yeah, no, I'm just uh, you know excited to do this. Um, 
You know, I remember joining you guys back in, uh, I think, 2010 or 2011. And, um, you, know, you know, we had some big dreams back then and we accomplished a lot of great things then. Um, so I'm happy to bring this back. I'm happy uh, to start this journey with you guys. Um, just for those that are listening out there, you know, you can expect a lot of hot takes. Uh, but with sound reasoning, like I said, we're, we're, we're going to bring it. And uh, like I said, just the more that you listen, I just hope that you guys, uh, you know, subscribe and, you know, like what you're hearing and, um, you know, be inspired. DK, Dave Clark. What's up, everybody? What's up, fellas? Um, Joe, as you know, nothing makes me happier than hanging out with the five of you guys, um, even if it is digital. I'm all the way out in sunny California. It's about a billion degrees out, but I've got my uh, Massachusetts homesick candle burning, ready to get What's the smells. Smell? What's that smell like? Smells like home. Smells like uh, rage and Dunkin' Donuts. And I think that I think that uh, it's really getting me in the mood, you know, to talk about some New England sports, some national sports with uh, five of the biggest sports fanatics that I know. And I just want to get into it. I'm ready. Bob Kelly. I mean, I, I just couldn't be more excited at this point. You know, I, I know we've been talking about this for years. Um, I'm just happy it's actually finally happening. Uh, I couldn't think of a better five people to be here with. Uh, and at this point, just like DK, I'm ready to let, ready to get it going, guys. I'm ready. Mike Marcangelo. Yeah, I mean, I just want to echo everyone else's sentiments. We've been hearing for so long, like, you guys are actually pretty good. And, like, we've also noticed that we, we're kind of ahead of the curve uh, on a few other uh, – on a few articles and a few opinions that come out. So, it's it's our time to prove it and our time to, to really shine. And I'm, I'm just so stoked to be here with all of you guys, and I'm ready to go. Producer and the man who we literally could not do this without, Craig D'Alessandro. In this time of plague and sadness in this world, I would say the one glimmer of hope is that for the first time in about 10 years, I am in charge of all your butts again. (laughs) (laughs) He feels the control. So, and uh, I don't have too much to echo there. I'm just, I'm just so happy to be back with you guys. Um, During all of this, I think we've all found this a little tough and that's kind of where this came out of. Um, was uh, I think Bob kind of brought this up uh, uh, about three months ago and said, "Hey guys, let's let's do something." And and originally Dave was not even a part of this group. Uh, it was just you know the five of us and and Bobby said, "Hey, I invited Dave." And and honestly, I mean, I, I know I say we couldn't do it without Craig, uh, but there's a lot of things that literally would not have been possible without Dave. So um, we, I, I know we're kind of kissing each other's butts here right now, but uh, you know we're we're back and and th- this is something that started 13 years ago, uh, 2007. Um, and, and Mike was one of the founding members of, uh, well, we're just going to call you, you found the whole thing. The it, it was just you. Um, Mike was the, the founder of the Sunday night sports rap and started it at, at uh, Dean college in Franklin when we were all students there. And, um, we, we really worked hard for a long time to get that show, not only from an hour long, but to two hours long. And, uh, Mike, you said it best, you know, a lot of people said, Hey, you guys are pretty good. And, uh, we developed a pretty good following, and and now uh, ten years after the run of the show ended, uh, Bobby comes to us and says, "Hey, let's talk sports again." And here we are now with uh, a little bit of everything. You know, we're we're all over social media. We have a website uh, with blogs. We're we're going to do a podcast, and to kind of get into that a little bit and let everybody know what we're going to do. 
Uh, we're going to do this Sunday night sports wrap to stay true to the name uh, once a week. Uh, I'm sorry, once a month on uh, a, a Sunday evening. It, it sounds like it's going to be the second Sunday of every month. Um, and every other week of the month, we're going to have an hour long show that comes out on Thursdays. Um, if you can't stay for this whole show or you miss some of it, it will be available on uh, wherever you get your podcast. Uh, again, Apple Podcasts, Google, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart. Uh, you can find the links on Buzzsprout at snsw.buzzsprout.com. Uh, and, and you'll be able to listen to everything that you miss. And we're going to be up on YouTube too. So we're really going to cover everything. Uh, we have some, some, uh, extension podcasts that we've already come up that we're going to come out with uh, over the next two weeks. Uh, the first one is armchairs ask athletes um, where we sit down with uh, an athlete uh, and, and basically have an hour long conversation. Uh, and we'll get into more of that in just a second. And then the other one that we're going to do is the uh, new England championship rewrap, uh, which was the, the, Really, Bobby, I mean, came up with this, and, and Dave came up with the, the Armchairs Ask Athletes, and two great podcasts that you're, you're really going to want to listen to. And, and the uh, championship rewrap is basically us going through the 12 championships won by the Patriots, the Red Sox, the Celtics, and the Bruins over the last 20 years. Uh, and we'll get into that a little bit later on in the show. But let's start with Armchairs Ask Athletes because this was – the first thing we recorded uh, as a team and one of the first things we came up with um, and what was great about it is Dave came in and said, Hey, I have this MMA fighter. Um, and I, I don't think honestly, the five of you are probably bigger MMA fans than I am combined. Uh, but because of this interview, I have become a, a bigger MMA fan and cannot wait to not only watch her fight Tuesday, uh, but just in general, even last night. So, um, armchairs ask athletes we sit down with uh an athlete once a month generally is when we're going to do it uh release schedule will be updated based on um the athlete and um when we can release it the first episode of this is going to come out tomorrow morning uh and dave and mike sat down with uh mma fighter should say local to the boston area she's from uh norfolk mass um and she she sat down with Mike and Dave um, last week, and, and that's going to come out tomorrow. She has a fight on Tuesday night. But, guys, uh, you spoke to Hillary Rose, uh, MMA fighter who's fighting in the Contender Series tomorrow night, looking for her to punch her ticket to the UFC. And um, Tell us what that was like for you guys, Dave. I mean, for me, it was a great experience. Uh, you know, we put, we've been putting a ton of work into this live show, a ton of work into the pre-recorded podcast and setting up this network. And Mike and I, you know, put a, put a lot of logged a lot of man hours in setting this thing up, but you don't know what's going to happen because it's kind of dependent on your guest. And when Hillary came on, it was right from the jump, such a pleasant surprise to, cause neither of us know her in real life. You know, we reached out, we know she's fighting on Dana White's contender series, which has produced, a ton of UFC um, superstars, um, including, you know, Sugar Sean O'Malley, who fought last night, who's like, you know, a rising star in the sport. And we just wanted to see if she'd come out and do it. And she was so gracious with her time. But what, the biggest thing was she came on and she was just such a pleasure to talk to. She's so charismatic, so incredibly warm and friendly and so knowledgeable about the sport, a sport that she's been working her butt off at since she was 14 years old. Mike, I think you had had the same reaction 
Yeah. I mean, I, I, I share the exact same like sentiment. Like when you have someone booked, you're, you're, you're often like wondering what are they going to be like? And within 30 seconds of talking to her, like uh, I said this, you know, a thousand times, she made us feel so much more comfortable than we actually were because DK and I, I mean, I can speak for myself. I was nervous. I know DK probably was too, because he was oh, doing yeah. all the heavy lifting on that, uh, on, on that podcast and, and really asking all, all the, the, the great questions. But Hillary just did such a great job opening up. And I think um, for someone, if you're not a huge MMA fan, uh, like, like, uh, like DK, if maybe you're just a, um, you're just kind of like a casual fan, or maybe you have no interest at it at all. This podcast has something for every single person, right? There's, there's stuff about the UFC, there's stuff about, um, there's stuff about all like her background, but then there's like real, a real life story that, that can affect anybody that, 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 uh, that we know or that we've ever come across. Um, and I think that was, for me, that was the most gripping part of it. So I think for, uh, I know that we're probably going to play just a small, small clip of it. I think for you, are we going to play, are we going to play clip, Craig? Yes. Yeah, great. Don't give me the look. Uh, I, I think you guys will all know uh, once you hear it, you're, you're gonna you're gonna fall in love with her voice. I was listening to our podcast in the car the other day. That's the true test: is hearing yourself on on the radio speakers in the car. <laughs> and the entire time, I was like, "Okay, this is this is real, and it's because of her. It was because of Dave Kelly." Uh, so I'm really excited for you guys to uh, Dave Clark. So I'm really happy for you guys to listen to this. I have a friend and a teammate, Shane. He was dating a girl um, in high school and he showed her like a triangle choke from the ground. Um, and she went to college um, like that following year and called him and said, I was getting sexually assaulted and I put the guy in the move that you showed me and put him to sleep. Did I kill him? And like she was able to get away. Oh um, but it shows that like he was just dating this girl for fun and like showed her this triangle, but her instincts kicked mm -hmm. in and she was able to do that and put him to sleep. So, you know, if, even crazy. just if a girl comes to five jujitsu classes and you learn just a few things, I mean, it could really help any girl, even a guy, you know, yeah. little kids, it doesn't matter. And so I, you, you hear that clip from her and, and you can hear just, again, the passion, just telling that story. And um, she was like that for the whole interview. So, you know, tomorrow morning, really check out uh, Armchairs Ask Athletes uh, and listen to this this whole uh, podcast because uh, she's phenomenal. She fights again Tuesday night, August 18th uh, in Dana White's Contender Series. And, um, you know, I know we're all going to be watching it. It's on ESPN Plus. Uh, so we'll all be be watching it and uh, and looking for her to get her big start. And, um, you know, guys, I, I really can't say enough about this. And um, she's, she was just a, a, a great uh, guest for, for us to get. And DK, you know, couldn't have done it without you. And uh, really excited for people to listen to this thing. Uh, Cause I, I think it's, I think it's uh, gold. Yeah. And just so you could tell as soon as you put on that podcast, how, how comfortable she really made you two feel, you know, as soon as she got on, you could tell what an amazing guest, she was just because you know any nervousness that you could hear in any voices for the beginning of that went away within two minutes so like I really implore everyone out there to listen to this because this is one of the you know it may be our first interview but this is honestly one of the best guests I've seen in the interview in quite some time just the way she was open you can hear from that clip right there that story is not just a regular story about MMA that's a personal story that she shared from her life you, you know, you don't see that much in most podcasts, most radio clips. So, like, the personal connection you guys have is definitely something you could, you could hear uh, from the moment that started. 
Yeah, so again, I mean, we even we even talked briefly. Sorry, Joe. We even talked briefly inside the the pod about what brings you into uh, mixed martial arts and what gets you into it. And for a lot of people, you know, it's it's an athlete, it's a fighter. Like for me, um, guy from my hometown, Conor McGregor, brought a lot of people into that sport. You know what I mean? Got me super excited about it. And now I'm a fan of the sport. If you're looking for something to get you in and you listen to this podcast, it might be Hillary because like, I'm such a fan of hers after listening to it. And I know all the guys and, you know, I know Mike is, I know all the guys that listen to the pod afterwards immediately became a fan of hers. So if you're looking for access, if you're looking for a way in, if you're looking for something new to watch every week, um, I think, I really think she can really bring you along, you know? And and now everybody's wondering, man, what Conor McGregor's from his hometown. Where is he from? Well, they're from Cleveland. If you were wondering. Uh, but, and one, one more thing on that. We, you, you guys talk about this in the podcast, and it was one of my favorite parts of the podcast, Dave, uh, where you asked the question of, was there any other sport that, that puts men and women on the same level? other than UFC, um, mixed martial arts, fighting. And uh, you use the example of tennis. And it's really interesting. And really just listen to the interview, even if it's for that part, uh, because she, she gives a really good, good insight on that. And it, and it is true. Uh, and that's kind of what makes me want to watch it more, uh, especially the featherweight stuff, the, the quick-moving fighters. I've watched some heavyweight fights in the past, and those just get – Boring, but regardless, so Dave, Dave's from Cleveland and uh, we're going to, so again, uh, armchairs, ask athletes uh, tomorrow morning. Um, check that out wherever you uh, listen to your podcast. Uh, if you want to find out where our podcasts are available, go to snsw.buzzsprout.com. You can also find them on Apple podcasts, Google podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeart. And the interview will also be on YouTube uh, up, uploaded tomorrow morning, and that might be news to Craig. Uh, so uh, let's move on from armchairs, ask athletes, and uh, let's go into uh, something uh, that's happening up in Toronto right now. And uh, let's let's talk about the hockey bubble and uh, this Bruins Hurricane series. Uh, the Bruins lead that series two to one as we're talking about it here this afternoon at five eighteen on Sunday, August sixteenth. Um, but they play tonight at 8 p.m. Uh, in game four and can take a commanding three to one lead. And there's a few, a few big points here. And I, I think we found out what our biggest point was on Saturday morning. Uh, and I know we all have some pretty strong feelings about this, but it was announced yesterday morning or Saturday morning uh, that Tuka Rask was opting out of the rest of the season. Uh, the starting goaltender for, for the Boston Bruins, um, who has been around since 2011, has a, Stan, a Stanley Cup you know, ring, basically. He's got a championship ring from, from that series in 2011, and uh, he's been around ever since. They signed him to a big contract, uh, $7 million a year, and now he, he opts out um, – Saturday morning before game three of this series. And, you know, I, I know Bob and DK have kind of been the most outspoken about this one. Uh, I want to, I want to start with, with Dave uh, uh, on this. Um, and it partially because I think I'm starting to share the same opinion he has. Uh, but Dave, I want to start, you know, with you, what do you, what do you think about Tuca opting out of the season before game three yesterday? It's, it's funny that I get to start this off in defense of Tuka Rask because I know that there's going to be some, some Tommy guns coming his way after I go. But, I, like, I have to say, you know, like, it's been a weird time for everybody. You know, it, it's, it's, it's a, there's a pandemic, and the guy's got a newborn at home, you know. With anything in sports, in life, when you apply context to a situation, 
you understand more about it. And yeah, it was my initial reaction when I heard that Tuca opted out of the rest of the season, like, you know, come playoff time when it's, we, we need him the most. And he's obviously bottled talent, our most talented goaltender at the club, but you know, he wants to go home and he wants to take care of his family. Like after a few minutes of, of reflection and, and thinking about it, it's like, some things are more important than hockey. You know, he said it himself. I don't know what you guys think. Hey, um, Sorry, I, I see. I just did it too, Mike. So you're okay. I just made them one person. Uh, Bob, go ahead. So as much as I completely agree with you on the pandemic, Mike, I know you 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 sent, uh, have these same exact sentiments as me. I I completely agree with the pandemic, keeping your family safe. Listen, I was I was putting on masks before before it was even warranted or before it was mandated, but. This man lost every sense of benefit of doubt for the past five years when it comes to what we've seen out of him. I, I, I completely understand opting out for the safety of your family, but when it comes down to it, to opt out a couple hours before game three of the Eastern Conference Divisional Finals, like it, it just it comes down to a point where where, where it's just not – it's not something that you give him the benefit of the doubt anymore. I mean, Mike, Mike, I know you have these same exact – Yeah, I mean, I think, um, you know, my, my first thought, right, was to just go at Tuca for being as soft as soft-served ice cream, you know, because that's what he is. But but I'm not going to say that for – because he left, because he, we, we don't really know what's going on in, in his home life, right? I don't know uh, the state of his family, so, like – but – I just can't think of, of any other Boston sports athlete during a, a playoff series saying things like, we're just here to have fun. I don't want to stress too much about the results. And it's just August hockey. So if you separate him leaving, you know, to, to go take care of business or be with his family to when he was there, what he, how he acted and how he, how he portrayed himself. This is Tuca. This is what he is. This is always what he has been. And, if that doesn't irritate you as a, as a hockey fan or as a Boston sports fan, I don't know what was because this guy, when he was here, was not here. There's a couple of takes you can have on this, right? So he's done this before. In the middle of the season, he up and left and went back to Finland. It was a family emergency, and we don't really know what it was. Right. He bails out in the middle of a, a, a playoff series. I've always thought he was pretty soft and kind of a bum. I mean, is is he a world-class goaltender absolutely what that's that's un, you can't even argue it he is he's one of the best in the world i mean he has started for the finland national team he does have a stanley cup he's one of the highest paid paid goaltenders in the league but why opt out hours before game three and this is kind of the interesting thing about sports isn't it you know dave kind of going along with what you said is if if any of us or anybody out there listening told their boss they had a family emergency, had to leave work. Generally, most of the time, I know we there's some bosses out there, some managers that wouldn't, you know, care. Uh, but for the most part, they're going to let us go. But what's the big difference between Tuka Rask and Joe Malkin is that uh, I'm not a world class athlete, and everything I do isn't in the media. Because obviously, they had to release a, a press a press release about it, right, Bob? Okay, so I completely get what, what you're saying there, but when it comes down to it is if it's not your first offense doing that or having that extreme emergency circumstance, then guess what? It is no longer valid. If you remember three, four years ago, it came down to the last game where the Bruins, all they had to do 
was was all they had to do was win. And Tuca, last game of the season, decided he had a bellyache and had to sit out that last game of the season because he had a stomachache. It wasn't it wasn't something that, you know, was a family related. He he just was a little sick. So it's winning in, man. There is no no circumstances in there if you're a professional athlete winning in that you can't play that game, especially if you're the goalie. That's the most important position on the ice. Sure. Now everybody's different, right? Like where Jordan plays with the flu and Tuca can't play with, with a, with a bellyache. Eh? And I, I get that side of it, but the, the point of saying, you know, we're not going to be in the public eye. So at the same time, who are we to say, and, and I, again, I, I can't disagree that he's soft. I've always thought he was soft. I always thought he was a bum. Uh, whatever reason he went home to Finland is his, is his business uh, the first time, not this time. Uh, but sitting out with a, with a bellyache is tough. And I, I always think about that when I go, when you go to work and you have a stomach ache, or you need to figure it out. I mean, unless it's putting you in bed, you probably should just figure it out, but everybody is different at the same time. And if they didn't release anything, I mean, what if, what if this is a big, what if, but what if he really just didn't want to play? What if he's done and didn't want to be around and why can't you go to your team? You, you can, you go to your GM, you, you go to, you know, you go to Don Sweeney or you go to Cassidy and say, Hey, I just, I'm not feeling it. I just don't, I don't want to do this. And then at that point they can say, all right, sit on the bench. Yara will start. If we need you, we'll go to you. Stick around at the end of the season or the end of the series even. We'll figure it out. That's the, that's the part that made it worse was that it was in the middle of the series. Mike, go ahead. So I have a couple of points on that. And, again, I just want to stress, like, I don't – none of us know exactly what's going on in, at home, right? So I, I'm less – irritated about that he left and I'm more irritated about the way he conducted himself while he was there. If his heart wasn't into it, listen, don't go opt out before the season, before the the bubble starts. And listen, we we could say nothing about that. You want to stay home because you know, family should be first. You have a newborn. All of those things that apply to him now applied to him a month and a half ago. And he chose to come here and he chose to act so lackadaisical and nonchalant about actually being here and trying to win, you know, win a cup. Um, They were the president's trophy winner. They were the best team in the Eastern conference and the best team. And now they're the fourth seed. It's because it's not all his fault, but he wasn't great. He had like an eight ninety nine save percentage in the bubble and was letting up three goals a game. He did not want to be there. Right. So, and I, so um, you're leaning right to what I had thought about. Uh, so, unfortunately, he was already practicing, say, uh, social distancing before he left. Um, goals had come again, left and right. Um, and I think I think that that's higher than his personality, right? If I, you know, uh, it's it's August hockey. I'm chilling. You know, if we win, great. If we lose, you know, oh, oh well, there's always next year. Um, you're, you're in Boston, homie. It, it, it doesn't it doesn't work like that. Right. We're, we're here to win. So, like I said, whether it's, you know, O'Reilly, Esposito, or, you know, Ray Bort, whoever. You're, if you're, if you're going to be messing with those names, you come you come here to win. Um, and like I said, you're getting paid $7 million a year. There is no, oh, well, you know what? Uh, I, I, like I said, we, we qualified. I don't want to – I could care less about the qualifying statement. We get that. Yes, you want to be with your family. Cool. But like you said, make that decision before you come out here. Don't don't have a sticking that we got all our troops coming in to, to war, so to speak, and then two games in, you're like, well, mm, I'm I'm cool because now I'm looking at you sideways if I'm your teammate. 
Because now I mean, I'm thinking, okay, well, I'm thinking we had a legit chance, and now it's like, well, okay. And like you said, they they were the best team in the East all year, and now we we get we get there, and they, they don't play there, they don't play well during the um the round robin uh, tournament, and now they they drop down. So it's just like you know, it's it's it's, it's disappointing to see, but. You know, hopefully they can still find a way to, um, you know, to, to make some plays and, and go 3-1 tonight. You know, Boston sports fans are so funny, you know, and, and as one of them, you know, for, for – and I know I'm, a, I'm weird because I'm not a Pats fan, but I'm a Celtics fan, I'm a Bruins fan. But I've always said, you know, depending on the team, you could be the same person and you could treat it completely differently. We all know in the 80s everybody was all Celtics all the time, right? The way Celtics fan culture grew from that – means that the way people watch the Celtics now, the way our dads taught us to watch the Celtics and everybody taught, you know, we were, it was passed down to watch the Celtics. We watch it differently than we watch the Bruins. And I just, I do find it so funny to listen to you guys talking about Rask and, and the Bruins right now, because I thought in my head, listening to Patriots fans all these years, I thought we were results oriented in this culture. And here we are with Tuka Rask dropping out. We're playing better. You know, they look great on Friday. It, there was somebody out of the locker room that was clearly dragging everybody down. Now, do I want to hear him say that stuff during the round robin? No. But did I care that much about the round robin? Mm, not so much. If it was the playoffs, it's a different story. And was he doing it again in the playoffs? Sure. But now he's gone. You know, if that was, if that was Bill Belichick and the Pats, Pats fans would be done talking about him that day. It'd be over. But now because it's the Bruins, they're held to a weirdly different standard because he's a goalie. It's held to a weirdly different standard because he's the goalie that followed up Tim Thomas, who despite being a little bit of a, a crazy person would, was dying, was dying for the Bruins. You know I mean, he was laying out for the Bruins every single time he Rask followed him up. So he's held to a little bit of a different standard. It's a good thing that he's gone. Yeah, like maybe it would have been good that he was gone a little bit sooner, sure. But we're up in that series, guys. You know, it's times. Times are good. So, so why why give him that deal though? But so the, the deal's the deal. You know, the deal's the deal. Like that's that he's here now. It is what it is. We're talking pragmatic. But, Pragmatically, oh, I, I, I would trade him. I trade him. So if you think about what a goalie is, though, in, in on a hockey on a hockey in a hockey rank. In a hockey game, they set that tone every single time. A goalie is the most important person on the ice, regardless mm -hmm. of, of how good you have on defense, how good your center is, how good your right wing. It doesn't matter. If your goalie isn't up to par or your goalie isn't fired up for that game, then guess what? You're going home. And I think that that was so clear for those first four games, seeing the fight in the Bruins in those first four games was not the same team I watched all year. And the reason for that was because they knew that their goalie wasn't in it, period. You saw that last game. That was the fight and in, in, in what we're looking for the Bruins this entire playoffs, these last five games. That's what we were looking for. And, and I think the moment that did it in that game for me where I realized that we're better off, honestly, uh, once he did leave, was that first that first power play where Halak just absolutely stood on his head and you could see the entire team. You could see everyone on their team, their shoulders just went up and it was just a different game from that one. They skated harder. They, they hit harder than I've seen them hit from the beginning of this playoffs. It's a different team. As soon as you get a goalie there that actually cares about what's happening. So to your, to your point, DK, I, I think like the reason why we're hard uh, on, on Tuca is because if you look at the, uh, the people that he shared a locker room with over the last 10 years, Sedano Chara had his, had his jaw wired shut and still skated last year. Uh, we had Patrice Bergeron, who had a collapsed lung, still played. We had players mm -hmm. on our team that had a shattered femur and still skated their shift. But this guy 
time in and time out will not do or go the extra mile to be there for his team. So that's kind of why we're, we're a little harder on him. But his team knows that, Mike. You can see it. It's, it's clear as day. You know what I mean? It was clear as day on Friday when they went out there on the ice. I mean, it, obviously, they're not going to come out and make things worse. You know, these guys are pros. Char has been there for long enough and, and is a leader on the team enough that he knows he's not going to come out in the media and make things worse and throw gas on the flames. But there's no way that a guy that skates with his jaw wired shut isn't having the same reaction as you guys when Rask is going home because of a tummy ache or whatever it was, you know, or not, or not lacing him up because of a tummy ache. At the end of the day, it improved the team when he left. You know what I mean? He's gone. And to your point, Bobby, in, in hockey, the most freakish thing that I've ever seen happen is a goalie that no one's ever heard of standing on his head for an entire playoffs. And so, yeah, exactly. So what, what you can have happen in, what you can have happen in hockey is because th- here's what I actually think happened. And like, I'm going to put my conspiracy Dave hat on for a second, but I really do think what happened is they said, Hey, you're benched. Okay. You're, you're playing, you're playing, your, your play is terrible. The, the lock wasn't they, playing great until yesterday either though. Right. True, but they, I think they benched Rask. I think, I think they went to him and they said, listen, the guys, it's not working in the locker room. It's not working on the ice. We're sitting you, okay? Maybe in the next series, maybe in a couple games. Hell, it, you know, it, maybe, when, maybe when we put our backups in, we might have to pull them in the game and you might get back in. But for now, you're sitting. I think that was the last straw for him, and I think that's why he said, I'm going to go home, and it was a mutual consent thing. So a slightly different, uh, to go back to what, what Bobby just said, uh, actually what you both just said about uh, unknown guys standing on their heads and, and being great goalies. I mean, for a long time, one of the greatest things in hockey, and, and it's, it's not in any other sport, is that every team has an emergency goalie. And generally, that emergency goalie is a state police officer, uh, like they are with the Bruins when they're at least home. Yeah, the Zamboni driver, right? So, you know, this is one of the greatest parts of hockey. So that was one of my one of my first questions when this came out yesterday. It was great. Yarrow's now our goalie. It's probably better, but what are they going to do? Stick Chara in there if he gets hurt? So this is this is where my mind goes of what's going to happen if Halak if something happens to Halak. But Going off of what Dave said and kind of what Bobby said, I think I think we're all saying the same thing. It's a good thing that Rask is gone. And I think Dave has just resigned himself to the fact of good, that done, like let's get it over with. And I think Rayshon's in the same boat of, you know, trade him, get rid of him. And then you look at Mike and, and Bobby where it's more like this guy's a bum. Yeah, all right, he's soft as soft serve ice cream. He's a bum. He always has been. And I, I look back at 2011, and, and Craig brought this up uh, in our group chat of, of saying, you know, we always wanted Rask to be Tim Thomas, and now he is. Congratulations, Boston. Well, Craig's on to something there because, as Dave said, and as we all know, Tim Thomas is some nutbag. He and but I respect him because he never quit on his guys. He never quit on his team. And Tuka Rask has done that time and time again throughout his entire career. Whether he's playing or not, whether he's home with a, a stomach bug or he's in Finland, he has done this time in and time out over the last 10 seasons. And he's a below average uh, playoff goalie. And I think signing Halak, because for so many years, I mean, sure, they had serviceable uh, goalies, Anton Hudobin, uh, McCarthy. We won't even mention Subban because he was awful. Uh, But, you know, 
they had to bring in somebody like Halak who was going to be able to pick up the pieces if something like this happened. And I, I, I honestly do think they were looking into the future when they brought Halak in last season. Well, I think I, I think what I don't want to speak for Bobby or for anyone else really, but like what what really irritates me is is, is he is so good. Like he is a he makes hard uh, like hard saves look so easy, but then he makes the easy saves. Actually, sorry, he doesn't make the easy saves at all. He'll lose a five hole like instantly, and we could build a team around him. We've tried. They have tried. He should be the focal point because of his of his God given ability. Mm. It's his lack of mental fortitude that keeps holding him back. And, and that's, that's what's the most frustrating part about everything is this isn't a new development. You know what I mean? This isn't something that we just learned yesterday about this dude. He, right. he got benched because he blew a 3-0 series lead against the Flyers. He was the goalie in that series. It wasn't Tim Thomas. It was Tuka Rask. And that's when Tim Thomas came in. We won the cup the next year. And this has just been an ongoing thing for his entire career. You know, I, I know when it comes to, like we always said, you know, employment, you call in once, you call in twice, you're sick, you have a family emergency, that's fine. But when it's something that happens for a consistent five straight years that every time one of these situations comes up, this is what happens, that's, that's just a, a done case for me. If, if, if I was his boss and something like this happened again, regardless if he's a professional athlete, he gets paid millions, he's gone. If this is times six, times seven, like, listen, man, we can't rely on you, period. But, but he is gone, Bobby. There's no way you're ever going to see him in a Bruins jersey ever. No, I don't think so either. I, I'm, I'm along with Rayshon. I don't mean to cut you off there, Dave, but that was going to no. be my next point. Is he's, he's done. I mean, he's done. Whether they release him, whether they trade him, whether whatever they're going to do, whether they buy him out, I, I don't know what they're going to do and how – I don't even know totally how the hockey contracts work. But there's no way you see him in a Bruins jersey next season. He doesn't come back this year. And now your backup goalie is Dan Vladar. So, I mean, that's the game, right? Right. He's never played an NHL game. I actually just pulled his stats up. Um, actually, no, he did. He went 12-12-4 uh, and four for Chicago in the 2015-2016 season. Oh, oh boy. Wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you also have to talk about value. You know, I mean, it's – yeah, I, I actually do agree with you, Ray. I would trade him too. But it's what are you, you going to get for him at this point? You know, it's a fat contract. And he just embarrassed himself on TV. So, like, I just wonder, like, I mean, I'm sure there's certain, yeah, there's certain people you could convince. There's certain GMs you could convince because, like, any sports GMs that aren't very good at their job to take a guy like that into their locker room. But, I, you know, I mean, for right now, his value has just plummeted. It has. And, and I mean, a $7 million contract. And what's, what's the most interesting part of all of this is there's still the President's Cup trophy winners this year. Um, they were still the four seed going into the playoffs because they lost their three round robin games to the Flyers, the Lightning, and the Capitals. But now they're up two to one in this series. Halak did not play well prior to yesterday's game, uh, and now now they're they have a chance to go up three one in these this series. Uh, again, they play at eight p.m. tonight, August sixteenth. So, you know, I, I want to shift gears on this topic, staying with the Bruins real quick for a few more minutes here. But you know, something else that's been an issue with this team since the pause ended um, was players being deemed unfit to play. And two of the biggest names uh, that have been on that list the whole time are Kasha and, and uh, Pasternak. And my question to you guys is, does this change now that that, uh, for lack of better term, cancer in the locker room of, of um, Tuka Rask is gone? Is that going to change? Or are we still going to have that problem with these two guys? 
Well, with uh, like uh, so with pasta, I know he heard himself celebrating on that on the in the double overtime uh, winner the other night. So I mean, I don't know if that's going to change. I think that's just a matter of him being twenty two years old and not realizing that he's just played three straight hours of hockey and probably shouldn't jump up in the air full exertion when they win the. I mean. Yeah, sure. Don't Martin Gramatica that thing. I understand. But <laughs> but the thing is, is he, he was doing that prior to them even getting to Toronto. He was doing that when they were skating at Warrior. I mean, he, he they, they, those two guys were not in shape. But like you said, I mean, it, and I, I mean, we were all 22 once. Is it fair to say, oh, maybe he's just 22. But at the same time, we were in the middle of a pandemic. So if, if you weren't skating well we know you weren't out doing some of the other things that you probably could be doing so i i just find it very interesting that those are the two guys and they've been deemed unfit and it has nothing to do with covid it has nothing to do with anything else it's just they weren't ready to skate me with that is i think without pasta casa is even bigger and if you don't have pasta you need casa you need him and there's no getting around that you absolutely he has to be on the ice so it has to be one or the other, in my opinion. So I think. Oh, sorry, sorry go, ahead. go ahead. No, no, you go ahead. I was, I was going to say, I think the Bruins have kind of proven themselves that they can make a deep run in the playoffs without Pasternak. You know, he he wasn't really prevalent last year when they needed him the most. Um, I want obviously like you want him on the ice, and I think that you know the celebra- uh, the injuring yourself, celebrating is it's just it's just bad luck, right? I mean, I don't think I don't hold that against him. Um, Hopefully he's back on the ice soon because, as as Bobby pointed out, if you if you can't have pasta on there, you you can't have both of those guys off. I mean it, that that's crushing to the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and ho- hopefully he um he he does come back because when you when you score at the rate that he can score, um I don't I don't remember his numbers, but I, I know that he can he can definitely put the puck in the net. 40. Um, how, how many goals does he get this year? No, I don't know. It's probably over forty. Over forty, I'm sure. But you know, he's a, he's a Hart Trophy um, finalist, I think, as well. So it's like you you don't you don't always replace those type of guys. Um, so hopefully, like I said, like I said it was a, it was a boneheaded mistake. But hopefully, he's able to come back because um, let's say he's he's too talented, and let's say he can help us win. Obviously, forty eight goals, forty seven assists. That's pretty yeah. Cool. So That's yeah, right. <laughs> come on. So ninety five points. You kidding me? <laughs> So to, so to kind of uh, wrap up our, our Bruins talk here, they again, they go into game four tonight um, against uh, – hang on a second. Carolina. moving a little slow. Yeah, I know. I, I was there, but the computer's moving a little slow here. Um, they go into game four against Carolina. They have a 2-1 lead. They won the first game double overtime, 4-2, to two, uh, after being delayed because of a five-overtime uh, game the night before. They lost 3-2, to two, and then they won uh, 3-1 yesterday. Um I'm, I'm thinking they're going to take this in five. I think they win the next two, especially now with with Tuka gone. As Dave said, I think this is going to propel them to a next level, and they take this in five. I got the Bruins in six. I, I think. Um, I, I just think Carolina is is tough. They're fast. They they have a lot of a lot of things that they do well. Uh, the Bruins can't really cover up when they don't have a, a, a full you know a full team. But I do think the Bruins are, are going to take this in six. I think they are the the better team out there. Um, uh, but this has been a it's been a great series to watch so far. Uh, but I just I, I wouldn't feel comfortable saying that the Bruins are going to go uh, on a run here and, and win two games in a row. Hockey playoffs, like we talked about, it's all about momentum. And I think that the one most positive thing that we've seen is that we've at least started to build some momentum. And even at the end of game two, and I'm sure all you guys watched it, at the end of game two, with a little bit more accurate shooting, you know, we at least take it to OT. And I think 
the you know the Canes kind of held on by the skin of their teeth in that game, and I think they knew that, and I think the Bruins knew that, and that started to build the momentum. Now, the fact that they answered after Tuka Rask leaves with positivity and not you know putting their heads down now that's I'm sure down to the leaders we have on the team which Mike already talked about but I think a little bit of momentum has started to build do we have the most momentum in hockey right now no but we know we have talent and we we started to at least build it so I agree with you Mike Bruins and six and we'll see what happens after that so we we now have another playoff series to talk about that starts tomorrow um, down in Orlando. So we go from the Great White North to uh, Florida. Uh, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Ray. I know you you live there and teach there for a little while, but uh, mm-hmm. you know it is still Florida. So we're gonna head down to Orlando, <laughs> and we we have the Bruins in five or six. I got them in five. You guys got them in six. Um, but let's talk. No, about I, I got them in five too. You got them in five, too? All right, perfect. Well, that's the end of the show. Have a good night, guys. <laughs> uh, so uh, now we talk about the, the Boston Celtics, who open up a series against the 76ers uh, tomorrow night, uh, the 17th of August. Uh, that I believe that's an, a 6.30 start for the Celtics yes. and 76ers tomorrow. Yeah. Uh, Bruins are 8 o'clock tonight. Celtics are 6.30 tomorrow uh, against the 76ers. Uh, guys, uh, Brad Stevens, who's been here since 2013, I can't believe he's been here that long. Uh, Brad Stevens just signed a new contract, uh, a contract extension. Um, and I, I know we have some, some good opinions on this one, Ray, I'm going to, I'm going to start with you first on, on our, I don't even, what is it? A five-year extension. So I didn't, I didn't, I don't think the numbers have been released yet. Um, if they did, I didn't see them. Um, but so I'll I'll go I'll go back into time travel to 2013. Um, my initial hot take was that I was not a fan of this signing. Um, yes, I saw what happened at Butler, um, but to me he was what I call a horseshoe coach, which is you know he, it, it was al- almost he he almost won this he almost won that, and it's like wait a minute you're coming from the Atlantic Ten to the Atlantic Division, you're not going to do much, and that first season I was proved right. Um, Cause they went 25 and 57, but at the same time I said, well, okay. Like they won some games that yeah, they shouldn't have won. Um, like I remember Jeff Green hitting that game winner uh, in Miami. Actually I was at that game uh, down there. Cause um, I was like, well, I, they're going to get beat by 20, but they end up winning. Um, but I mean, you know, Brad, Brad eventually has kind of won me over. Um, you know, some things he does strategy wise still kind of, you know, burns my soul, but um you know, he, he overall he is a good coach. Um, I just want to see them at least get to the finals while he's here at least one time and hopefully win it. Bobby. Yeah, I I from the moment we hired Brad Stevens, I, I knew that this man was was the solid basketball mind that we needed here in Boston. Uh, especially following up one of the most successful tenures that we've had in a very long time. I knew the man that replaced Doc Rivers had to be someone that not only could reach that level of motivation uh, in basketball intelligence, but in my personal opinion is above doc rivers when it comes to that kind of basketball level. Um, and, and you know, what, what just stands out to me is the teams that Brad Stevens has been able to not only lead to success, but have actual runs into the playoffs. Um, you, you think of that 2014 Celtics team whose best player, Evan Turner, 
and Jared Sollinger. This man, this man led that team to the playoffs. You know what I mean? Like when you think about what Brad Stevens really is, he's a basketball mind that can take any team and, and lead them to basketball success. Mike, I know you have the same sentiments, man. So I think that Brad Stevens is the uh, best coach of the Celtics in our generation. And I'm, I'm going I'm to tell you a little bit about why, Rayshon, before you jump at me. Um, Doc Rivers left because he did not want to rebuild. Brad, Brad's rebuild took one year before they made the playoffs again. He'd been to two Eastern Conference finals. He, he has cultivated a group of players that went from like Isaiah Thomas to Jared Sollinger to, I mean, Kyrie Irving did not work out. But I'm, I'm telling you – the reason that Doc left is because he did not want to be part of a rebuild. He, he thought he had earned the right to, to have elite talent handed to him like he did in Boston and go wherever he wanted to go to do that. Brad Stevens should be the coach for the next 10 years as far as I'm concerned, and I think they're probably going to win two championships under uh, with him as opposed to the one that we did with, uh, with Doc. Oh, my God. It's so badly. Uh, Mike, you have such a knack <laughs> for, for putting me in a position to – like attack or defend things I don't really want to attack or defend you know um I I love Brad Stevens I I I totally echo the sentiments that you guys have had um I I wasn't even as unsure about him as Ray was when he first came in like to me a a young coach should coach a young team a young coach should be there for a rebuild and 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 when you're rebuilding you're gambling no matter what and I I think it was a good idea it was it's a six-year contract by the way for 22 million if anyone's curious and I think he deserves every every penny and every and every day of it but to say that he's better than Doc Rivers is, is mind-boggling because he hasn't proven that yet. I mean, yes, has he achieved going to the playoffs with, with teams that maybe didn't deserve that totally? Has he overachieved in certain seasons? Yes. Is he one of the best play callers I've ever seen in the NBA from, from a timeout? Absolutely. Doc Rivers has a championship in Boston. End of story. He has a championship. Now, Brad does it. He's proven that he can get to the playoffs every year, but I, last time I checked, we're here in Boston. That's not good enough. When you're here in Boston, Massachusetts, and you have a sports team for that, for a franchise here, you got to win. You know, you got to go win. We know that. So at the end of the day, unless Brad can either mold or, or convince or, or make superstars out of what he already has and have them go win, he's not on Doc's level. Doc took four, th- definitely three, maybe four big personalities and had them all reading off the same hymn sheet, all singing off the same songbook and going and having uh, an insane start to the regular season. And then we all know the story from there. Well, like, I don't want to get bogged down in how great the 08 Celtics season was, but until Brad had Kyrie Irving on his team. And I, I don't think it's Brad's fault what happened with Kyrie Irving, but he, he didn't calm him down. He didn't stop him from saying the things he was saying in the media. He didn't get the rest of the team playing around him. Now, like I said, Mike, you get me, you get me in these positions where I'm, I'm leveling criticisms of people I don't really want to. But if that's Doc Rivers, does, does, does Kyrie pipe down a little? Well, so, so that's where they're different, and that's where I want to jump in because I, I kind of half defending both of your points here, which I'm always so good at, is <laughs> the, the fact that it, Kyrie Irving – um, you you want to sit here and compare uh, Stevens and Rivers, and that's kind of like apples and oranges. But you also want to throw Kyrie into the conversation, and who would Kyrie have been closest to on the 08 Celtics? Probably a Garnett, a very outspoken person. I don't want to say Kevin Garnett. That's probably an insult to Kevin Garnett to say he's anything like Kyrie. Or- Rondo. Rondo. 
Well, but see, I don't think mentality-wise, mentality-wise, yeah. sure, but not at that point necessarily because Rondo in 08, he was still young, and he it was probably a great thing and also a bad thing that he was learning from Garnett, Allen, and Pierce because then that kind of developed. I mean, his personality was his personality, but I think that also developed who he became in the NBA where he had that. Uh, that extra thing we're talking about here, that Kyrie sort of mentality. And very when you're nice talk- way to put it, Joe. Thank you. When you're talking about Rivers and, and Stevens, switch the roles. Put Stevens uh, at his age now with the team in 08. They don't win a championship. They, they just don't. I don't think they do. Sure they take, do. Take, no, take Doc Rivers and put him in today, right now. You think – they're, they're probably not as good kind of going to what, well, hang on, kind of going to what Dave said of doc didn't want a young team, but Brad does doc got the, uh, the, the veteran ready to win. Now guys that were hungry that, that hadn't had it and, and want it where Brad gets the guys that he can build and, and elevate to a point where hopefully they do go on to win something. The biggest issue is Mike, and you said it, you know, he turned it around. He rebuilt one year back in the playoffs and they've consistently been there and they've consistently gone to the playoffs, but they, they haven't, they haven't gotten to that level that Doc got them to. But again, just to kind of to mix it up, maybe one or the other doesn't get them there if they're in those situations. You know what I mean, Ray? What do you think? So no, because this no. Now I'm going back to Mike because I, I I knew Mike was going to go here with this. So okay, so he he joins there in 2004, 2005, right? They go 45 and 37. They win the Atlantic Division, losing the first round to uh, the Indiana Pacers. Um, Next year, they go 33 and 49. The next year, um, they go 24 and 58. Then they, they trade the number five pick to Gary Allen. Then they get KG later on that summer, and the rest is history. Um, if you had two seasons like that, would you go 33 and 49 and then 20, 24 and 58? Why the hell would you want to continue to rebuild after you've won the championship if you've been to another final? I, I, don't, I don't get that. Um, he did earn the cachet. You, you go to the finals of 08. You win 62 games in 2009 when KG got hurt after 40 games. Um, you take a team that really was limping to the finals in 2010. There's no way they should have got there as a fourth seed, but they found a way to get there. Um, they won another 50 games in 2010, I think, and, yeah, 2010, 2011. Um, like, he, he they, they steady built. Like, once, once they had the talent there, they, they got the job done or they were contenders every year. Um, the difference with Brad is he's built young talent, but when he's gotten the superstar like Kyrie, um, they weren't able to get it done. And I believe that 2017-2018 team, I believe if Doc Rivers was the coach of that particular team, they absolutely would have got to the finals. They because, absolutely would have got there. Because Kyrie would have been – Kyrie would have fell a line in my yeah. opinion. Now, now to, to Brad's credit, that team did win 16 games in a row that year. Um, of Kyrie's first year there. That team was clicking. It seemed like the chemistry was there. And then after Kyrie got hurt, unfortunately, things kind of kind of went away. But just, just to say, like, I, to me, like I said, when you earned the cash, like I said, you won, you've been to the finals. I just think to me, he, or he earned that chance to get um, another team that was going to be able to compete. 
Yeah, Mike, I'm going to be, I'm gonna be really quick here. So I'll make it really quick. So if uh, I, I do believe that if you put three Hall of Famers on a team with Brad Stevens as a coach, he will win a championship. Eric Spolster did it. Doesn't take that much. I do think. And, and Stevens is a better coach than Spolster. Per, correct. Correct. I also I also think that uh, this, you know. Doc Rivers had had the ability to have one maybe off person in that room, and it was Rondo, but he was a young basketball player around three pretty centered people, and he had to fall in line. When you bring in a Kyrie Irving, and he's the one that's mentoring the young talent there, that is a diseased locker room, and it doesn't matter who your coach is. They're not winning anything. Brad Stevens got the most out of that team minus Kyrie Irving, and I don't think that Doc would have put as much work or effort into molding that young talent. Dave is itching, but I got to go to Bob 30 seconds and we got to move on. Yeah, I just, I just want to agree with Mike's sentiments there. When it comes to Brad Stevens, I think buy-in with him is the most important thing to his system. So I think coming into that that KG, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce season, that they were going to buy in to any great coach that you put in them because all they wanted was a championship. And in my opinion, I think that team would have been better with Brad Stevens because they would have bought in to a better system, a better coach, and better motivation than what Doc gives. Listen, I'm not saying Doc's not great, but he he's shown time and time again he does need those Hall of Famers. He couldn't win in L.A. with Paul and Griffin. That's all I'm saying. Well, uh, just, just, just a final word. So, uh, Doc Rivers, while he was in Boston, 4-16 – 416, yeah, 416 and 305. That's a 576 winner percentage. Yep. Uh, Brad, why he's been here so far, 318 and 246, a 563 winning percentage. Yep. So, five, out of, five out of those nine years, he had three Hall of Famers there. So that's all I'm going to say to that. So, so man, final he, he question. Had 943 wins, though. Hang on. Final question. Are we buying in on Brad Stevens for the next six years, yes or no? Yes. Of oh, course we yes, are. Because, yes. because, like I said, Mike loves to make us, as Boston sports fans, defend or attack. It's what, he does, it's def- what he does best. He does the best. It's why we have him here. But I will say this. Mike Marcangelo is such, a, uh, such an intelligent guy that he actually just a second ago got away with calling Kevin Garnett a centered person. I don't know if anybody missed that. Oh, no, I, I got that. <laughs> the least centered individual I think I've ever seen. But, you know, here we are. But he was centered, too, during that. And I, I don't want to go off on a team. When he played the five, maybe, but not personality-wise. <laughs> sure. But, but that's, right, right, that's all right, that right. matters, right, <laughs> is if you can center him on the court. And that was the problem that no one could center Kyrie because he allowed off-court personality to take over on-court personality and vice versa. So real, real quickly, I actually – we're going to get back to the Celtics. Uh, but as we get close to 6 o'clock here, I, I want to do a couple things. And the first thing is, is tell you where you can find us on social media and where you can find our podcast. So uh, we're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and wherever you find your podcast. Uh, we are at NightRap on Twitter. We are at NightRap SNSW on Instagram. Sunday Night Sports Rep on Facebook, the SNSW Podcast on YouTube. We are wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeart. Links will be in the description below, but you can also find all this information on our Buzzsprout page at snsw.buzzsprout.com. And um, just a, a quick thing is that our, our, our first thing uh, here that's going to come out tomorrow on our podcast is the Armchairs Ask Athletes. Uh, and this will be uh, uploaded as well uh, to YouTube and to our podcast. So uh, if you miss anything of this, uh, but definitely check out the Armchairs Ask Athletes podcast where uh, Dave and Mike sat down with MMA fighter uh, Hillary Rose. It's an incredible interview and, and, 
we said it earlier in the show, if you're not a huge UFC fan, you will be after you listen to this podcast and this interview uh, with Hillary Rose. And one another podcast I want to plug is the New England Championships rewrap, uh, which the first episode – of that is going to come out next Tuesday. Uh, and basically what that is, is we, we walk through every single championship uh, that the Patriots, Red Sox, Bruins, or Celtics have won in the last 20 seasons. And we start with the 2001 New England Patriots, uh, who, as Bobby says in the open of it, is w- probably one of the most improbable championships by a Boston sports team in the last 20 years. And I say it, and I think we all echo it during the podcast, uh, is that it, it, without that championship, uh, we may not have the other championships by the Patriots or any of the other teams uh, just based on how everything was elevated. Uh, and one thing can change the, the past and the future. But, uh, Bobby, this was so much fun to, to talk about. It was so much fun to be a part of with you guys. And, um, you know, it, it really just – it brought me back. And if you want to hear me get emotional, listen, listen to it. This is actually going to come out in two parts. I should mention that too. This is going to come out in two parts because – it took us three hours to record this. Um, and in part one is the regular season plus the, um, the divisional round against the Raiders. And the, the second half of this podcast is the AFC championship game against the Steelers and Super Bowl 36 against the Rams. And if you want to hear me get emotional, listen to part two in two weeks, but listen to the whole thing. Um, this really brought us back. And, and Bobby, I'm going to, I'm going to go to you first as the host of this uh, podcast. Uh, Go ahead. So, so exactly what Joe was just saying is the exact reason why why I had this idea and why you guys loved it so much is because of the emotion and the memories that do go behind all these championships that that we've experienced, uh, especially with this whole one, Joe. I have to say, just you talking about it, I, I'm not even lying. I had you might might be able to. <laughs> I got goosebumps over here. I'm not even kidding. That one championship is definitely the most special to me. Um, it was the first one I've ever experienced. And I think everyone will experience that and feel that when we're talking about it during that pod. Um, I'm really excited for people to hear this and the series, just because I really feel like everyone that is a Boston sports fan, and even just a sports fan in general, when you hear the connection that we all actually have with these championship stories and the things that go behind it, whether it be following a regular season, following the magic of that moment where you realize like, oh my God, we might actually win a championship here. It is something that is in, undescribable in sports. So I, like, I can't even think of the words for it right now. Um, but I just think if, if you like sports, you like championships, you like, you like hearing us talk, this is definitely a podcast that you're going to want to listen to. I mean, A, what other opportunity are you going to ever hear to have Joe Malkin cry? I mean, it, it happens more than once on the same podcast. And it I, does. And that's, that just shows you right there. Um, so, yeah, go ahead. I was just going to echo what you were saying here and just say, you know, you, you, the biggest point is we all get caught up in everything going on now, uh, and we never really think back uh, to what it was and how we got to where we are now. And the, the 2001 Patriots team, um, the Super Bowl 36, everything that happens, you'll hear it in the podcast. Uh, but it, it's why we all love sports, man. And that's, that's really what you have to take into listening to that is that um, there was life, there, there was a time where the Patriots – didn't have six Super Bowl rings. 
Uh, there was a time, and not just staying with this episode, but there was a time when Red Sox fans had waited 86 years to win a championship. There was a time where the Celtics had waited 22 years to win. And we're talking about Boston. Dave said it before. This is Boston, man. you got to win. And, uh, and Dave, as somebody who wasn't there to record this podcast as you were not on the first championship rewrap, kind of give us your feelings. I mean, yeah, I was actually – I felt – sort of lucky to not be on it because I got to sit back as an audience member and really enjoy the product. You know, um, as you can see from my Brian Urlacher jersey, I'm not a Patriots fan, but <laughs> in 2001, I was. Um, they went in there as the underdog, you know. Um, the greatest show on turf was meeting them in the Super Bowl, and that Rams team looked completely unbeatable to anyone that had been paying attention. And it's one of the biggest Cinderella stories in the history of sports. It was a long time ago. And like, like Joe was just saying, it, it's hard to imagine the new England Patriots in, in football as an underdog. It seems like the most foreign thing in the world, uh, 19 years on, but, but it was, it was the case. And I remember being a, a young kid and, and, you know, my team, the Bears weren't in there, but I was cheering for the underdog. You know, that's what you do when your team's not in there. You, you go for the underdog and, and man, did that, did that passion really come through? And I, and I have to say that anybody that wants to relive it, if, if they were there, if you're young and, and you were never there and you've, you've heard some stuff about it, um, uh, you'll get all the information you possibly need because this transported me personally right back to 2001, you know, where I was sitting in my living room in Chicago, watching a team that I didn't know I was going to have to spend the next 19 years hearing about um, <laughs> just watching, watching this team uh, just, just completely in a completely unlikely fashion beat the best offense I had ever seen. And honestly, one of the best offenses I've ever seen and making me fall in love with football even more than I already was as a little kid. And I can hear that that, even though you guys are Patriots fans, that exact same thing happened to all of you, you know, and the nostalgia and the passion just com shows completely through on this pod. So if you, if you have the desire and if you want to go back to that and you want to relive it, I really do recommend checking this out when it comes out in a week's time. So it'll come yeah. out uh, Tuesday the 25th. Sorry, Ray, I'll get right to you there, but I just wanted to play off of what Dave just said. Uh, episode one of this will come out Tuesday, uh, August 25th. Episode two will come out Tuesday, September 1st. Uh, and again, you know, listen to the whole thing. We, re we really do run through the whole episode, uh, through the whole season, the playoffs and everything. Uh, and Bobby even makes mention of it because I say it about 15 times in the first 10 minutes. Uh, but I was there, season ticket holder, uh, ended up at the Super Bowl. Some great stories from all of us, really. Um, and, and, you know, the perspective of it, Dave, I think is really interesting because Mike and I have two very different perspectives on this season, even though we both lived it miles away from each other, which, which is really, really a cool factor into this entire series. Ray, go ahead. Yeah. Um, now, for me, I, I think this probably would be the favorite, my, like, my most favorite uh, type of show that we, that we do, because um, obviously we, we have 11 more to get into with that, but. Man, it, it was just so awesome to see uh, the passion and for us to share the memories that we had on there. Um, and like I said, so hopefully, uh, even though some of us didn't stay Patriots fans after <laughs> uh, after that happened, um, you know, Bob. Um, but <laughs> you know, but yeah, no, it, it was it was a really good experience, and um, but I, I hope you guys love it. 
And, uh, you know, that was, again, we, we have to mention when we say all these podcasts because he is the best producer uh, that we could find, I mean, in the world. And uh, it, the, this is produced by, by Craig D'Alessandro, and he produces the the uh, AAA, the Armchairs Ask Athletes podcast. And we, we can't give Craig enough credit. And uh, Dave and Bob have worked really hard on both of those podcasts. So, again, check out uh, Armchairs Ask Athletes tomorrow morning, uh, Monday, August 17th. And check out the first episode of the New England Championship Rewrap on Tuesday, August 25th. And episode two will come out on Tuesday, September 1st. So let's get back. I produce just about everything. He's producing this right now, if you can believe it. So real quick. I, After this is over, put it right on there. It's a lot of work, but I hope you all like it. There's Greg patting himself on the back again. Uh, so real quick, I want to get back into the Celtics just for a few minutes as we, we do have a couple minutes here. So um, I, I, I there's two notes I have here, but I, I just kind of want to run through it again. The Celtics series against the 76ers begins tomorrow night uh, in Orlando. Um, the Celtics went five and three in the bubble, and it was really interesting. They, they had a, a four-game run where they scored 149 points uh, and absolutely blew the Nets out of the water. And then in the next three games, they scored 122 points in each of the games and won them all. It was just – it's really weird that that would happen in, in any sport, honestly, that they would score the same amount of points in three games. So uh, another thing I want to mention is Marcus Smart's uh, performance in the bubble. And, uh, Bobby, you've been very adamant about the, the Celtics bubble play uh, and the play of Marcus Smart. So I want to start with you on your thoughts. Yeah, I, and so I know, DK, you you have the same same exact thoughts when it comes to Marcus Smart on this, but – Marcus Smart, to me, is the life and blood of this basketball team. Um, I, I know that he may be one of the most frustrating basketball players to to ever watch, but what he does is beyond what you see. Um, and this goes back to, I believe, 2000, to his rookie season, to that first Brad Stevens year. Marcus Smart, to me, has been the standout basketball player since and he's honestly been the only he's been the exact one the only one who's been here since that first Brad Stevens year um and DK I know you think the exact same thing when it comes to what he brings it's that intangible and what he does on the court you you could see it as soon as he steps on the court yeah I think so I mean I'm so happy I'm not happy about our place in the east but I'm happy that we're playing the 76ers first you know the the kind of mental um, smallness of the Philadelphia 76ers has just completely shown through over the past uh, few years of the playoffs when we play them. Like, we live absolutely rent-free in their head. And a lot of the reason for that is because they don't have a guy like Marcus Smart. They don't have a, a culture that, that Boston has. They don't have a, a an intangibles guy, like you said, Bobby, like Marcus Smart. Like, he comes in there, he plays the kind of, of tough, gritty, hustle-play defense that – Philadelphia just can't take, you know, and now with Ben Simmons hurt and gone, even though he was, he started to shoot kind of well, which was making me a little bit nervous. Cause I th- I'm pretty sure I've had actual nightmares about Ben Simmons learning to shoot the three ball, but with him gone, it's Joel Embiid 
You know, wait until he has one bad game and he is just going to completely switch off. It's going to be all over. Marcus Smart's going to be all over them. Wait for the moment. And I promise you this will happen. Whereas tiny Marcus, in comparison, tiny Marcus Smart insists on guarding Joel Embiid in a completely absurd situation and somehow takes the ball off him, you know, goes the other way. And yeah, he's probably going to jack up a three shot that he probably shouldn't take, but like, whatever, he earned that shot. You know, we argue about this. We have our own uh, uh, group chat that the six of us on the side, and we argue about this all the time. Like, I can't believe Marcus took that shot. It's like, well, he earned the shot. You know what I mean? Like he's the one who went played man on man defense, had fast hands, had a hustle play and then got back. So it's like, whatever, it's a bonus, go ahead and take it. You know? I think we watched a string of those shots and I was like, uh, DK, I've seen five. He's missed all five and he sold the ball to get, the, to get that possession. But like, I think so uh, for those of you listening or watching, like this is not going to happen often. So I like, get ready. I think I was wrong. And I think you all are right about him. And that's the end of the Sunday night sports. Rep. <laughs> I, I, I don't think you can quantify what he brings to that team uh, in terms of like heart, gut, grit. I just think he's willing to do the things on the court that most others aren't. Um, so yeah, if that earns him the right to, to jack up 15 threes and only make six of them, that's great. But, but I, I do think, uh, because we have him, we are better, uh, we are better off with him than without him for sure. Uh, Ray, what do you think? Uh, Celtics series predictions. Give me something. Yeah. Um, so I, I do think that we beat Philly at five. Like, um, at first I thought six because I felt that I, this is before, uh, Simmonson went down, but once he went down, I was just like, well, this should be what it was two years ago when we faced them. Um, I feel like their, their team dysfunction, meaning Philly's dysfunction, is very similar to what the Celtics had last year. Um, and they're trying to, like, understand it, like, oh, it's not that big of a deal. But as we learned with the Celtics, it, it really can be a big deal, and it can really be the detriment uh, to a team. Uh, so I think, they, I think they beat them in five games. I just think there's a game that Joel B is going to get, like, 38 and, like, 18, um, and he's, he's going to dominate. But his biggest issue is that he just he doesn't want to dominate uh, every night. And for I, for what reason, I don't know, because he, he's a phenomenal talent. But uh, the Celtics are deeper. Uh, the Celtics are more cohesive. Uh, and like I said, they, they're, just, they're just more talented and they're, they're the better team. So they should win it in five games. Rayshon, is there any sense of like, you know, one of their – because the Sixers have their star player hurt, right? Like, is there any sense for you as a, as a true basketball, um, like encyclopedia and fan, that maybe this is where the Sixers like rally, rally for each other and they, they put on a great series? Like, it, can that happen with them? So it, it's – I mean, obviously anything is possible in, in that regard, but I just – Somebody I said that once. Yeah, you know, um, we'll get to that on, on a later episode. But um, I, I think that it, it can happen. But with with this team, I just don't see it happening. Like, I don't see it. I don't see them rallying around each other like how we did when Kyrie and Gordon went down a couple of years ago. And like I said, those, those Rozier Brown, those, those guys play out, played out of their minds. But um, there's a lot of things that are going to have to go right for them to click. So. Uh, their rookie Matisse uh, Thibault, who actually the Celtics drafted him and traded for the Carson Edwards pick, um, he's actually a really, really good defender. Um, but Kemba Walker's going to cook him if he's on him all night. It's a wrap. Uh, <laughs> uh, they don't have anyone that can guard Jalen Blake. Like you, the Celtics have four guys that can get you twenty-five at any given time. Right. And Ben Simmons is their most versatile defender. So without him. It's, it's, it's going to be hard to guard. But, I mean, like I said, they can rally around from a game, maybe two, but I just don't see them playing inspired basketball the whole series is going to get them before wins. So, if you if you remember back to, right, going off the same point, A, first, 
I was so disappointed when the Celtics traded that Matthias Stable pick. Yeah, he's he, he's nice. He's nice, but you know, oh well. <laughs> want from a young player because he plays defense. He's got the intangibles. All he's got to do is work on that shot. And I think a shot, honestly, to me, is the easiest thing to fix in a basketball player. Um, and secondly, I also completely agree. I think with the Celtics, all you got to do is work and bead every single minute he's on the floor. You got to make him do as much as he possibly needs to do because he's the most out of shape basketball player in the NBA. And if you make him actually work and do things on defense, make him go out to the three point line, make him actually be that stretch five that he is, he's only going to give you a solid 25 minutes a game. So I think it's five maybe even four without Simmons. I think that's a huge blow to the Sixers. Huge. The best thing we, win the series, basically. Yeah. 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 Easy. The, best thing that we, the best thing that we offer as a team, I think, is that our wing play is unmatched. You know, um, we have so many different guys that can in, – versatile, sure, in offense, but amazing on the switch in defense. And what we do to Embiid, you know, not to get too technical, but we always do to Embiid is we start to pick him up high. Well, like you said, Bobby, he's so he, – he, you can really beat him up, and he's, he gets really tired really fast. I think he's a phenomenal basketball player personally, but yeah. because he gets so tired and he gets in his head – Tatum, even though he's a little bit undersized, he can he will start off the series picking him up really high in the front court, and and he'll beat him up a little bit, switch him off to Jalen. Jalen's so underrated, I think, and, and such an athletic specimen that when he gets off on you, like you feel his strength, and he's just going to be tired by the fourth quarter. I totally agree with you, Ray. Like I really do think that he'll go off one game, you know, and I, I almost think we might let him, you know, like I think it might be a let the rest of the guys beat us night. And I, but I, mm-hmm. what I, the way I disagree with you is I think he will go off for 38 points and they'll still lose. You know, it's it, the, the 76ers have that kind of, they're, they're gotcha. kind of that yeah. sort of team, you know what I mean? And I think, I think the thing I'm looking most forward to is Joel Embiid's comments after the game, you know, because he's always so honest in, in how badly we beat them up. And, and yeah. I just can't wait to hear it, you know? Yeah, well, I mean, and that's because he knows that it's not a robber, which he, he said himself, but um, I don't trust Tobias Harris. Like, I mean, my thing is, dude, you, you signed a five-year deal for $180 million. Like, you're getting $36 million a year, and you make no impact. None. Like, yeah, you were good coming out of Tennessee. Okay, great, but you've done nothing really since you've been in the league. You disappeared in, in, in L.A. You disappeared in Orlando. You're just a disappearing act. Get, get it get it together. You get paid too much money to not make an impact. Now, he, if he plays well and, like I said, uh, Josh Ferguson and uh, Shake Milton and those guys kind of do something, maybe we have a series, but there's too many variables that have to work in order for them to do well. So, either way, Boston's got this. And, you know, see you see in the second round, Toronto. So, I, I know we have a lot to say on the Celtics, and I know we actually have a, uh, an NBA point here that Bobby's been itching to get to, and we're not going to get to it right now. So, Bobby, save. No. I, I know. Can I just add, so I think that that makes – so I think that's why Ben Simmons is so important to the 76ers team is because he lets Joel Embiid not work that hard. He lets him do be, be Joel Embiid and not have to exert – all that energy to be the basketball player that he possibly can be. That's what Ben Simmons is. He may not shoot, but he's a great point guard and he's a phenomenal basketball player. Um, he does all the, all the little things, right. And that's why Joe MB can be out of shape. So that's why I think when Simmons is out of there, it really exposes that entire team. And I can't believe that Al Horford has not come up once in this entire discussion. 
No, one. He didn't come up because well, he didn't come know, up all you know, season. Exactly. No, but that's but that's that's the thing though. If there is a time he's going to come up, then you know it's the playoffs. But because he's been so misutilized in in Philadelphia, like that, and that's the only reason why we're not talking about him. We're not saying because he's a bad player. Because like I said, playoff Al, as, as Tatum used to affectionately call him, he always showed up in the playoffs while he was here in Boston. Um, and I'm sure he'll do the same thing. But because they don't let him be, his strength is a playmaker. He's one of the best passing big men this league has ever seen. Ever. So not just in this era that that ever seen. And if they don't do a lot of high-low action, like I said, not to get technical like Dave said, but if they don't have him run stuff at the top of the key to maybe throw something over the top to Embiid or to have somebody run off as a, um, a, like a curl screen or whatever, like they're, they're, he's, he's not effective like that. Not at this stage of his career. So um, well, let me ask, yeah. let me ask you this, Ray, let me ask you this. Cause like what I, what I was so worried about when we traded Horford, especially to the 76ers was that they were going to learn to play fast basketball. When, right. when we had Horford and Morris on the floor at the same time, God, did we stop the ball? You know what I mean? Like any kind of smooth motion play, moving the ball quickly. Like those two guys are ball stoppers. Like I like Mike Marcus Morris last season. I really did. But mm-hmm. he holds on to the ball. So does Horford. Like you said, he's a playmaker from the top. So it's like, right. but what, the, the way that they under they underutilize him is that I really do think that, that what they should be trying to do is getting the ball up to him quickly like we used to try to do and have mm-hmm. him start to make plays. But what they're trying to do is use him as this sort of like off – off big man off the to ball, right? yeah. off the ball, big man to, to Embiid and stuff. And it's like, that's just not how he plays now. Maybe they were saving it for the playoffs. Like maybe it'll click. Like, do you think if Horford was used correctly and, and used to move the ball inside, we are so susceptible to an athletic, big playmaking big man, you know, that's the worst thing that the Celtics have. So like, do you think that that might catch us up? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's possible. Um, but like I said, I, I just don't think, I don't trust Brett Brown enough to put him in positions to have multiple actions in a quarter to say, okay, you know what, Al, we're gonna run it through you where you're gonna you're gonna dive to the basket and then kick out to to a corner three, or you're gonna draw two, dump it up to and B, get a get an and one. Um they don't let him coach in Philadelphia. I don't think he's a terrible coach, but they don't let him coach. So because they don't let him coach, that's why they're gonna be going home early and he's probably gonna lose a job before Christmas. And I, I don't think we ever had any doubts about that coming into they signed Horford. A, I remember seeing the sour they signed him to, like, wetter Horford. And B, uh, that they were going to misutilize him. You, you knew that the structure of that team wasn't going to fit into what Al Horford did best. Um, right. And I think that that speaks to exactly what the Sixers are is they're a team in names rather than a system or an actual successful basketball pro. And, and that's why I think that with this, with this core that they have, even, even with an added Jimmy Butler, they couldn't even get to the finals. The Celtics have an easy cakewalk on this one for sure. Yeah. 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 Philadelphia didn't need Horford. They just, they didn't need him to be in Boston. So with that, um, you know, we, we could probably go on about the Celtics forever. Um, and I know we have the uh, Giannis Antetokounmpo incident that Bob wanted to get to. So we'll try and – I know, we'll try and get to that later on. But I, I want to move on to a sport that doesn't have a bubble, um, and that's the NFL. You know, we talk about the NHL, we talk about the NBA, uh, but the NFL is going to take a different route to all of this. They're going to play in their normal 32 host cities, kind of what major league baseball is doing with the exception of the uh, Buffalo blue Jays. 
and the teams are basically, well, they have, as of 10 days ago, allowed as many players as they want to opt out. 66 players in the NFL have opted out for the 2020 season, including eight of them on the New England Patriots, uh, including Marcus Cannon, who if you are a Patriots fan and you follow uh, close enough, Marcus Cannon did have cancer a, a few years ago. Um, and probably a pretty good reason as to why he is not uh, – playing in the 2020 season. Patrick Chung, Dante Hightower are two of the other players uh, for the New England Patriots who have decided to opt out for this season. Um, it's an interesting uh, situation with the NFL. Um, you know, you, you look at it from an NCAA standpoint and what they have deemed uh, uh, possible to play and what they have deemed not possible to play. Uh, but the NFL is going to, to move forward as of now with their season. And, what I have seen is that the um, the NFL is allowing players that have a medical reason for opting out will be paid $300,000 for this season. And that money will roll, it'll roll their contract to next year. And that money that they get this year will come out of their contract. That's the way that I understand it. Players like uh, Patrick Chung and Dante Hightower, who are not opting out uh, because of a medical reason, they will get $100,000. Same thing. It'll come out of their contract next year. And this year is basically a wash for those guys. My first question to you guys is, and I'm going to go to Mike on this one, because uh, I've asked this question already, and I, he's answered it already. Mike, does the NFL play in 2020? Yes. Yeah, I, th I think they do. I think it, uh, I think it may look different. I, I don't know how you're going to have some teams having home fans and some teams not. Uh, I know that like uh, Jerry Jones has, has, said, has said that they're going to have uh, fans in the stands there. Um, I mean, it's a hundred thousand seat stadium. If you have twenty five thousand people in there, like socially distant, that's fine. You can do it, right? Um, but I, I just. I think the NFL is too big to fail, and I, and I don't think they're they're gonna. I, I don't think they're gonna wait. Uh, I, I just I, if if the MLB can play with with their pandemic that's going that's ripping all all their teams apart, how is the NFL not gonna do it? Yeah, and that's one thing I look at with the league is you say they're too big to fail. We know that Major League Baseball, if it went away, honestly. Uh, we may not notice. We, we may not notice. The NBA and the NHL, we probably would. It's much easier for an arena-type sport to do a bubble than it is for a large sta stadium sport. I mean, even the MLS figured it out, and that's because they have smaller crowds. But you even go internationally and look at the, the English Premier League, who they're getting – 40 to 100,000 fans uh, on a, in a normal year, uh, depending on which stadium you're talking about. But the NFL, kind of to what your point there, Mike, I mean, 68,000 in Gillette Stadium, but over 100,000 uh, at the spaceship in Arlington. And they how many fans are you really going to get? Are you actually going to do it? So that's another question of – Will they have fans this season at all in any place? And personally, I, I don't think so. I think they are going to play. But, Mike, unlike and, – and to everybody else in the room, unlike Major League Baseball, we're not talking about um, – three or four game series, two game series. You can play double headers. You can make them up on off days. The NFL plays once a week. So if in week two – there's an issue with a team and they can't play and you now have to wait 14 days ish. And now we're talking about two, possibly three games of a 16 game season. 
what what are they going to do that Major League Baseball isn't? Or what what are, what can they do that Major League Baseball can do more easily than they can? Well, before you kick it to 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 Craig or, or to Bob, I just want to say like I think that I think because of the financial aspect of football, I, I just think that they're going to have state of the art testing, and I think they're going to have all the top notch procedures that will um, reduce the the factor of of players or teams testing positive. And if, if that's the case, I think, you know, if, if your whole, if, you know, let's say like 30 players on your team test positive, you probably should forfeit that week. You know what I mean? Like it's, it, it's just, that's what you might have to do in order to complete the season uh, uh, at the, in the time frame that they're looking for. Uh, go ahead. Unless they absolutely go into a bubble, I don't understand how it's going to work because this is, you know, we're preaching social distancing during this entire thing, during this entire pandemic for the last six months. And now you're going to get into my opinion, one of the most intimate sports in all of sports before the play, you have to huddle. You have to be literally inches away. You snap the play. You're literally on some guy's butt to stop the play. You're right on a play tackling the guy. I don't see how this is not going to end and not a disaster. Well, they're going to be tested every day. I bet. I bet that they're tested every day up until, up until uh, game day, even on game day. And I just think, I think Joe, you mentioned it. I'm sorry if I'm talking too much in this one, but like, I just think you have the ability to, uh, to test the players and to do all, all the medical procedures better when you only play once a week, as opposed to 162 games, or, uh, or the, you know, the constant bubble season that they have in the NBA and the NHL. So, so to that end, they, the NFL and Under Armour have developed a basically a mouth shield um, that would, like a visor, go in front of the mouth of each player. Um, some players have tested this out, from my understanding, and said it's kind of strange, it's kind of odd, um, and, and it doesn't necessarily allow for the same – um, pattern of breathing during a play because it's so close to the face. It, it's it's one way you can do it. I mean, Craig, you're absolutely right. But one thing that the NFL, I mean, the NFL is king. And the one thing that the NFL has, as Mike said, more than any other sport is the money to do it. I mean, you're telling me Jerry Jones can't um, uh, test 53 players and all of his staff every day to see uh, at least every other day. Uh, from what I understand, a test is $140. Uh, I know that's a lot of money to some of us to go get tested. I mean, if we can't do it for free, that is. And um, if they're paying that amount for that many tests, it, to them, it's still going to be peanuts. So, I mean, so Mike, Mike, you said it, and I, I kind of want to go around the room with this one. It's a 16-game season, okay? So, like in baseball, a nine-inning game is complete after five innings, four and a half if the home team is leading. Um, at what point is the season complete for the NFL, and would they either uh, stop the season and crown a champion, uh, for lack of a better term, or uh, go straight to a playoff-type format? At what point does that happen, or do they just scrap the whole thing? So I think they have to go, you know, I think they have to go at least nine or 10 games. Like if we're operating under the assumption that the, that, that the season could be cut short, but I just don't think it's going to be, I, I don't see a world where the NFL is not on our televisions from September through February. I just don't think that, I don't think that even if it was the safest thing for the players that they're going to do it. And I, I just don't, I, they'll be there, but again, 10 games, and then maybe you have like a, a plane or something, but I, they're, they're going to play 16. Makes you wonder why only 66 out of, you know, how many players in the NFL have opted out. Now, granted, there was eight Patriots, but only um, 
you know, 58 other players around the entire league opted out of this season. So you're getting the majority of guys under contract to come in and play and, and, and do this thing. And, you know, it, it, there has to be that unspoken thing, kind of like we talked about in the open with Tuka Rask. Like, there's obviously details we don't know. Same thing here. We don't know the details, and that's fine. We don't necessarily have to know the details. It's not going to affect us, especially if there's no fans in the stands. But there's definitely something going on there uh, that these guys guys know that we don't that's making them feel safer to go play football or or and I think Mike you're about to do this these guys this is their livelihood and they know that they need to do it and they don't want to lose a year of of age because the NFL unlike a baseball or a hockey you're not playing into your late 30s into your early 40s also $350,000 relative to what they get paid every year is nothing I mean so they, they don't want to let they some of them can't live off that right and and some of them that their contracts like you just said aren't fully guaranteed they only have a you know the average NFL career is way shorter than I would say the average baseball career right and that, all that money is guaranteed so they have to get in there they have to play and they have to make some tough choices to make sure they get uh, they get their money I think I think two more things go into that too. Is I think the level of power that the NFL uh, owners have over the NFLPA also has a lot to do with it. If you look at the people in the MLB that tested positive for the coronavirus, not one of them has been released. Some in the NF, someone in the NFL snuck a girl into his locker room and was waved the next day. Um, so I, I think a lot of that does have to do with the power that that NFL players know that the owners and and, and you know, anyone in charge does have over their livelihood over what the MLB has. And also I think the NFL has a realistic outlook on, they know people are going to test positive. It's just a matter of handling once they do. I think the MLB that's, that's been the worst case scenario for them is like once someone tests positive, they haven't had those, those protocols in place to get that positive person away from the team. So then it spreads throughout that entire team so rapidly that all of a sudden you have four teams. By the time you realize what happened, I don't see that happening with the NFL. Just like the NBA, I think they're just a better run organization. Um, So I'm with you guys. Football this year is happening. So to take more of a New England approach to all of this, the New England Patriots lost three starters on defense. Uh, we all know that they've signed Cam Newton. Last week they signed um, running back Lamar Miller. Uh, should they play this season and they, they do get into this thing and, and everything goes relatively to plan, um, looking at the team as currently constituted with no preseason football, how does this team, this New England Patriots team do this season? I mean, I, I still think they're going to go 11 and five uh, at worst, maybe, maybe like 10 and six. I think one thing that Patriots fans and, you know, all of us uh, we're going to have to think about is like our crutch was the defense. I think that that might be removed now. I think that you're, you're going to see not as great of, of a defensive showcase as you thought you were going to see when coming into the season. But I just think that uh, I, I, the Patriots own that division. I don't think the bills are going to take it from them this year. Um, so I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm thinking 11 and five. You know, it's funny. We, we started talking about um, the difference between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the New England Patriots, obvious for the obvious narrative of Tom Brady and Bill Belichick. But like we've seen with basketball, like, sure, Jerry Jones, you can say there's going to be fans in the stands. Great. Jerry Jones says a lot of things. Jerry Jones says we're going to win a Super Bowl this year every year. They don't. Sorry, Bobby. But <laughs> he says a lot of things and it, that's, absolutely not going to happen. It's just not. So yeah, we can argue all day over where, whether we're going to have an NFL season. And I completely agree with you, Mike, it's, they're too big to fail. There's too much money involved. 
it, safety is just not going to come first. You know, if, if they can make it safe to avoid the bad press, sure. But like, it's just not. But as far as the Patriots go, just like basketball, bubble football, maybe it'll be that or, or fanless football or, or whatever it is, that's going to change things. You know, that's just going to change the landscape. There's going to be a couple of teams that are playing unexpectedly well. There's going to be players that, that, that apparently we, who knew were just feeding off the crowd in a way that, that, you know, they, they're not going to ha- be able to do once they're playing in, in front of nobody, you know, when um, a guy like Belichick though, he, can see into players' souls in that way. You know, he's going to be able to see guys on the practice squad that he's going to be able to put him on the field and go, oh, I don't even need to worry about his mentality. Like, he, he's just a great practice squad player. I've been waiting to bring him up. I just know that he's not, like, quite there mentally. He kind of – he chokes on game day. Game day is going to be a different prospect. So, yeah, I, I back Bill, Bill Belichick as I always do in these situations. Like, I, I think they're going to – 11-5, like, maybe even higher. It's going to be an interesting season with no preseason football. I mean, they're obviously going to have to cut down to a 53-man uh, roster. And, and eight guys in camp with the Patriots, are, or seven now that they've signed Lamar Miller, are going to get an opportunity to make that 53-man roster. And, and like Dave just said, you're going to see that around uh, a lot of teams. As teams are going to do well and guys are going to fight for some spots because we've seen it already in baseball with a lot of minor league guys that are getting called up. Uh, when major league players get hurt or whatever else. I mean, these rosters are, look very different this year. We've already seen that from minor league guys in baseball. And I think you're going to see something very similar in football. All right. So, wow. G- great. All right. We should have stuck with the NBA guys. That's what I'm <laughs> thinking. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to change gears back to the NBA because our next topic was going to be the depressing Red Sox, which I think we can spend about five minutes on, but go ahead, Mike. But before like we move, uh, I, I did just want to say, I think we all just look for like really good stories. And I think the best story out of the NFL right now is Alex Smith has been cleared right. to play. Yep. Uh, I think having what 17 surgeries over the last uh, almost two yeah. years, yeah. I mean, the guy almost died. He almost lost his leg and he's probably going to be the starting quarterback for the Washington football team this year. So like, that's a great story. Yeah, and I mean, Washington just got their starting quarterback back. And I mean, I think we can all agree, Alex Smith coming out of Utah so many years ago, uh, he really did do a great job uh, for the 49ers. He's done a good job uh, in Washington uh, for for the football team. And he's he's it's just nice to see him and, and mike you brought up uh, the video that he posted online of when he co- came out of his house and uh dave took the words right out of my mouth he doesn't look like he's in football shape yet uh he still looked a little ginger on that leg and i don't blame him i mean 17 yeah. surgeries you have your leg shattered uh, I, we all remember joe theisman uh back in the 80s Ugh. Um, which is still one of the worst hits in football history. I have to fast forward through that part of the blind side, which is an awesome movie in my opinion. Uh, but you have to fast forward through that part because I cannot watch that Lawrence Taylor hit on Joe Theismann. And that, that hit right there, and if you don't know uh, what it is, go look up uh, Lawrence Taylor uh, hits Joe Theismann. Uh, that, no. was when, <laughs> that was when you, you knew that, that Lawrence Taylor actually had uh, some human in him because uh, that guy is just an yeah. absolute – animal uh but he was the first one 
uh, calling over the, the, the medical team. And he knew that it was bad the moment he hit him. And Alex Smith's uh, injury was very similar to Theismann's. Actually, it probably was worse. And thank God it happened now uh, and not uh, back in the 80s. Uh, we don't want it to have happened at all, but thank goodness it happened now and not back in the 80s because, like Mike said, I mean, that's a career and possibly a life over. Uh, but it's, a, it's great news for Washington. It's probably literally the best news that the Washington football team has had this entire offseason uh, because they also had to release a player uh, two weeks ago uh, for some issues. So, uh, you know, we – we're going to be looking. We got to be looking for these positive stories, especially in the NFL. I know we've all been watching the the NHL and the NBA. Uh, Major League Baseball has been so depressing, and I think because football is king, we all want to see uh, the NFL do well this year. We've already seen um, that college football, from the the highest of divisions to the lowest of divisions in the NAIA and NCAA Division Three have canceled season or postponed seasons. I can't say canceled. I just did it, but I shouldn't. They've postponed their seasons, and I'd really hate to see uh, the NFL do that as well. But I one one pressing topic I do want to go back. So we're kind of rewinding into the NBA because I know this is a topic that especially uh, Bob Rayshon and Dave wanted to touch on. Uh, but it was the Giannis Antetokounmpo incident that happened last week. Um, Bobby, kind of give us a run-through of this incident and, and give us your feelings on it. So, I'm not exactly sure what exact day it was, to be honest. Um, it, it was sometime, I believe it was in one of the last, the second to last bubble game for the Bucks. Uh Giannis got a little heated uh, and did end up HUD betting. I, if I'm being honest, I don't remember exactly who it was. Um, but what ended up happening was the NBA did end up suspending Giannis for one this. Uh, now, if you watch the clip, um, it obviously is something that is an intentional headbutt. He obviously got, um, he got, he got in that heated argument. He got to that point where, where he did feel it was time to retaliate and did so. I just think, in my opinion, um, and DK, I don't know if you have the same sentiments, but I think this is the most contradicting thing that I've seen from the NBA all season, if I'm being honest. Um, I just think if this is LeBron, if this is Zion, if this is anyone else, the NBA comes down hard and not only that, but so does the national media. I don't think, I think to this day we'd still be talking about it. And I think it would still be the top news story. If LeBron had butted anyone, that's the top news story, but because it's Giannis, it's not. And then that's something to me that I'll just never get. I don't know. I mean, look, I, I think I agree with you in that sense. Like, I think like it would be made a bigger deal of if it was somebody else, should it be? No. Like, honestly, the, even the fact that we're calling it a headbutt, it wasn't. Like, he came in hot. He was annoyed. He put his head down to get in his face, and the guy flopped a little bit. You know, as, a, as the only real, like, week-to-week, week, I watch every single game soccer fan here. Let me tell you, I, it, wasn't, it wasn't new to me. You know, I, I think it was – I think he got a little hot. Did he get um, – did he get – special treatment maybe but like it was like what two seasons ago in the playoffs where marcus smart like threw a guy across the court because i forget i think it was against the sixers ironically enough where somebody hit uh somebody hit someone going up which is like the worst most scumbag move you can do in basketball if somebody's off their feet and they're going up to the to the hoop and you hit them they have no center of gravity and they you know they they just go to the ground but somebody did that marcus smart ran up shoved the guy it's sports you know what i mean like it happens people get mad it's it is what it is i don't think it's a big deal what are they going to do like at the end of the day yes 
it, it is special treatment. But would LeBron get the same treatment? Similar, you know, you don't shelve your best product. Giannis is the, is the guy going into the playoffs that they're advertising right now. Like, it's, it's just a bad business move if they suspend him tomorrow. Especially, well, let, me, let me throw. Oh, go ahead, go ahead, I was going to say, especially right now in the bubble and and in where they are at this point in the season, they need as many eyes on them as possible. And this is part of the reason why the NFL is still going to play. And something we didn't touch on, which I kind of feel naive that we didn't, is TV money. And that's the reason why the MLB is trying to do everything they can to play their season out. The NHL and the NBA have done everything they can because the money is not necessarily as high as the MLB and the NFL, but there is still uh, money in that. We talk about the English Premier League, Dave. I mean, there's money in that too. There's TV money from NBC and the Premier League and they need to find a way to get those ratings up. And right now, the NBA and the NHL are front and center, two leagues that run simultaneously with each other. And this is something that they're already talking about changing in the NBA to have the NBA go longer so they have their own playoffs. And Dave brought this up, uh, you know, last week in our meeting that the NBA is looking to, to push that ahead. And right now, in the bubble, in Orlando, they cannot – uh, they cannot suspend their, their probably – I mean, he's top three in the league, right? I mean, when you think about the NBA right now, well, I still think LeBron, Dave. I know you're holding up that number one, but it's, I think it's LeBron and then Giannis. So, I, I mean, it, I, it, it could also depend on what coast you're on too because, I mean, it, which is weird because you say that LeBron's not number one and you, you literally live in L.A. So, it, it's, it's – That's why – Right, yeah, probably. I mean, you're probably just tired of hearing it and seeing the billboards. So, uh, Rayshon, go ahead. I, I kind of stepped on you there. Yeah, no. Um, so that that incident was interesting uh, for a couple of reasons. So, um, one, I mean, yeah, you're right. Like, I, I, like Bob, I agree with you. Like, if had that been LeBron, yes, Sports Center, uh, Fox, whatever, would have been leading. That had been a leading story. They would have broken it down the psychology of it. Uh, is this the real LeBron? You know, it, it just it, it would have been nauseating to say the least. Um, but I want to go a different direction here. So, uh, the next game they were going to be able to play the Memphis Grizzlies, and the head coach of the Memphis Grizzlies um, was an assistant coach on uh, Milwaukee uh, last year. Um, so to throw on to have a second conspiracy theory uh, for the night, I think that. They threw that game <laughs> so that Memphis they could help Memphis get into the um into the play into the to, to, to come with going to the playing game uh for the AC and it's crazy because it didn't I mean it worked technically but in Portland ended up beating them so it didn't it didn't really work um but because uh say again. I said, which worked out for the Celtics. We got- yeah, 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 it worked out for the Celtics. Thankfully, um, you know, since we you know we're at least gonna have the 14th uh, pick. Um, and, 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 the, well, we have three first rounders, so 14, 26, and then, uh, and, and 30. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think that they end up throwing that game against Memphis at end. But like I say, yeah, you, you can't suspend him more than one game. Um, I maybe would suspend him too or whatever, or maybe suspend it and find him or whatever. Um, because whether it was a real headbutt or not, like that, that can't happen. Um, I think someone had brought up um, – uh, what's the guy from France back in the world? Zinedine Zidane. Yeah, Zidane, yeah. So it was just like – you know, I, 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 I remember when that happened. I'm like, I'm like – That's a real head. headbutt. Yeah, that was nah, a that was soft. Right. Yeah. That, that was, was soft too. He should have <laughs> you know? hit him in the face. If he was getting the red card anyway, you might as well take the other guy with you. That's true. Yeah, no, I, yeah that's true. But it's just like, yeah, so I, yeah. I just think that's what it was. But 
you know, like I said, it, it was unfortunate to see, but like I said, in the grand scheme of things, like it wasn't that deep. And um, like I said, pro, you know, product above everything else is key. So he's a part of the product. He's one of the main events, so to speak, uh, so to speak. So um, yeah, that's it. So we'll, we'll, we'll see what happens going forward. I mean, we've seen it so many times in sports, Zinedine Zidane, Janice Antetokounmpo. I mean, we've seen it so many times where um, people get uh, a little worked up. And like Dave said, it's emotion, man. And, I mean, we get, we get worked up during the day. And, you know, we we kind of lose our cool at times. And it, it's going to happen. And, again, uh, kind of going back to the whole Tuka Rass thing, the biggest difference is that they're going to get called out you know, on national media for it and we're not. So, I mean, would it have been a bigger story if it was LeBron? 100%. Um, Would it have been a different story if we weren't in the middle of a bubble play pandemic? Probably. Uh, But right now, uh, no league can afford to lose their best player. And if Mike Trout did something in LA, you, you, well, actually it's the MLB. They probably suspend him. If Marcus Smart did that, what would his? I was just, I was, I was just yeah. going to go there. Yep. Yeah. Oh, they, oh, they. What ESPN would have ripped him apart? Oh, right. he has a reputation for this. Uh, but, remember what he did back at Oklahoma State when he went in and talked to a fan. You know that fan provoked him, but we're not going to go there. Like it's just like so. The, the narrative always switches depending on. Uh, the, the player and it's unfortunate but that, that's just what it is but this is isn't this a whole podcast in itself where we could sit here and talk about how um media and fan influence influences commissioners stay, stay tuned, <laughs> yeah right stay tuned exactly I, I mean think about the the uproar um for if if Mark, you know when exactly when Marcus Smart went into the stands, um, uh, the the fight at the Palace in Detroit back in night what was that nineteen ninety six or no uh, uh, two thousand oh four the nineties what's the difference? Uh, but the the point being is if there's more uproar, the the uh, suspension or the punishment is higher. Um, think about Joe Kelly. Joe Kelly gets caught on TV. Um, you know, I mean, we, we, I think we all love Joe Kelly. I mean, he kind of got soft here as a pitcher at the end. Uh, but in LA, he's been great and he's great for the game of baseball. Guys like that are phenomenal for the game of baseball that are struggling in my opinion, but because it was really the only show in town and everybody saw it and everybody watched it, um, Manfred felt that his that the Major League Baseball office had to do something about it. Where Giannis, not as many people saw it. So it, it comes down to that too. What what kind of uproar um, is there, and does that affect? Um, uh, media and fan perception of the game and the league. And and I, I think that that's something we really should touch on in a later podcast, because it, it my feelings are it, it's the, the punishment has to fit the crime. And when you are in sports and you are in front of a camera, yes, you're supposed to be more composed. Um, but it, I, I don't even really know how to finish that thought. So speaking of composed, DK, Dave Clark, joins us all the way from Los Angeles. Even when times are different for him and he's probably still at work and we just don't know it, he's sending messages to the group chat when it's 4 a.m. here and he's still up drinking his wine at 1 a.m. in Los Angeles. But we we have to go to Dave Clark for 
what was always one of the best segments on the Sunday night sports wrap. And that's the state of the sizzle. So Dave, uh, the, the floor is yours. Thank you, sir. Well, fellas, it's been a great show as expected. Here we are at the first state of the sizzle in over a decade, much like a state of the union speech. I used to start off by letting you and our adoring listening public know how I, and perhaps more importantly, the sports watching nation was doing as a whole. So here goes. The state of the sizzle is dope as hell. Back in March, you may have noticed a health crisis that was sweeping the globe started to tighten its grip on the United States. Rolling lockdowns began, and for me at least, the moment the fact that we were in some serious trouble was when this damn virus started to take away sports. Watching the look on Mark Cuban's face as he seemed to read the news on his iPhone that Adam Silver had suspended the NBA, that look of complete shock threw me a little. It seemed like a guy known for his business acumen, his ability to predict markets and trends, had absolutely no idea how serious this thing has gotten. Adam Silver is a smart guy too, perhaps the commissioner sports. If he was shutting down the National Basketball Association during one of the most interesting seasons in its storied history, something was really wrong here. Sure, we probably should have already known. If I had a little bit more bandwidth available for health data, international news, I may have been on top of it. But then who would my family come to for Brian Urlacher's impressive rookie season numbers? 124 tackles and eight sacks, franchise rookie records, despite not starting until week three. I can't move out valuable information like that in order to stay on top of a pandemic. You know what I mean? The point is, for many of us, sports are a constant. Maybe in some cases, our only constant. I can't tell you the pleasure I get when I'm coming home from work, knowing I have a Celtics game to watch or it's Monday night football. I knew I loved sports, but I didn't realize how much until they were all taken away all at once. The totemic and rolling nature of these great athletic competitions are what some relationships are built on. Fathers and sons may be sometimes completely different people, have completely different values, but if they can sit next to each other once a week and cheer for the same team, they have themselves a platform to build something, to see one another in a way they may not have been able to otherwise. Sports are important. Now they're back, albeit in a little bit of a different way, but they're back. I can't tell you how much of a return to normalcy that was for me. Waking up every day for months to more bad news, more dumb tweets, different information, old information. Is this person okay? Make sure they're staying inside. They had pneumonia once when they were 12, constantly. We're still in that fight, don't get me wrong, but at least I can forget about it now for an hour or two and watch a game. Which brings me to this show and to us. We all met in college 10 years ago and our college had a radio station. We were all fairly carefree and similar people, college kids that got together on Sundays to chat about our favorite teams. Over time, our circumstances and responsibilities have changed drastically, which is natural. I moved to California to chase a career in the movies, and 18 hours a day on movie sets makes you a little bit of a different person after a while, I can tell you that. Joe is domestic as hell. Sorry, Joe, domestic as heck. He's got a house and a wife and some real cute kids, plus what seems to be his dream job, no biggie. Rayshon survived what many don't, I moved to Florida and back, and now he's molding future minds as an educator, a profession we may st finally start to appreciate more because of all this. The world's best producer is just that, because out of all of us, he actually pursued and succeeded at a career in radio, and he's the reason we're able to put the SNSW network together for you. Mike lost an entire person's worth of weight and donated a kidney to a family member. We knew he was an impressive guy, but he showed us all up a little bit with that one. 
Bobby seems to have been all over the place and his general demeanor as a raconteur has served him well and somehow, even as a Cowboys fan, remains the most positive and optimistic of us all. All these changes, all these gross, it can't be summarized in one state of the sizzle with any kind of accuracy. We've all had our ups and I'm sure our downs that have changed us, who we are, and all grow and grow up as people. The reason we're here with you again, though, is that one thing has remained the same for all of us. You guessed it, an unbridled love affair with sports. We lost sports for a while, and it wasn't the most serious thing that happened in this pandemic, not even close, but it's not the most serious thing you do or watch in a day either. It's not supposed to be. It's supposed to distract you, to entertain you. Leave it to obsessives like us to take it far too seriously and dedicate chunks of our lives to bringing you a podcast network about all things sports. You folks listening at home, just enjoy. I'm so happy to be back with you fellas. I said it at the start that the state of the sizzle is dope as hell. And the reason sports are back and so are we. That's it. Let's go. Well, uh, <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I think what I really took out of that is that Rayshon uh, survived Florida. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, Dave, the, so the, the state of the sizzle, kind of the history of that is, um, uh, you haven't missed a beat in, in over 10 years, man. I mean, that that's awesome, dude. I, I mean, this is exactly why we do this show. Um, we have people out there that love listening to us, which is, is great for me to hear because my wife's tired of me. Um, but uh, I'm just kidding. It's We've been dating for 10 years as of today, though, which is absolutely incredible. I don't know how – married. Uh, uh, I don't, well, I don't know how she has dealt with me that long, and Craig can attest to that. But, Dave, great job. Uh, that was very well written, very well said. And, guys, I mean, we, we have uh, been together through it all. I mean, I know we all kind of went our separate directions. Uh, in, in some cases, even when we lived in the same town as Craig and I do, and, um, you know, but we've all stuck together through all of this. Um, and uh, now we're even, we're, we're even closer um, than, than we probably ever have been. Even when we were on the show together back in college, uh, I kind of felt like, you know, we all had six different directions and we came together for two hours on a Sunday. Um, and over the last um, month, you know, I know we started this back in this conversation back in late May, early June. Um, but we've all really come together more now than we ever were before. And uh, it, it never would have happened without this pandemic. So, so much bad has come out of this thing. Um, so much negativity and and really if there is a positive just to kind of go off of what dave just said for the last five minutes um it's that you know we we came closer as a group of people um because of everything going on um and it, it definitely helps i mean it helps to be able to come and talk uh, sports or politics or whatever the hell you want with anybody you want with with the people that you enjoy talking about those things with so um you know guys i think um Real quickly, again, let, let's go over what we have for the people going forward. I mean, uh, again, this two-hour live show on Sunday nights is going to be the uh, the second Sunday of, of every month. Um, we're going to be here talking to you, and we want to hear what you want to talk about. Um, you know, if, if there's something you want us 
to talk about or a topic that you think we should touch on, whether it's Boston related or, uh, I mean, hell, we'll talk about Korean baseball because that's a great product. Uh, I've also woken up at five o'clock in the morning when my kids woken me up and I've gone and watched Australian league football. So there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things we can talk about and we want to hear from you because there's plenty going on in the world of sports that we can come up with and build a narrative around. Uh, but we want to, we have so many different people in our lives. We, we want to know what you want to talk about. Um, if this is your first time listening to us or you're not subscribed to uh, our channels, uh, whether it be, um, you know, on uh, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, uh, Spotify, Stitcher, iHeart, uh, you can find all of our uh, channels on Buzzsprout uh, at snsw.buzzsprout.com. We are all over social media. Uh, Rayshon writes some awesome uh, recaps and, and previews of uh, Boston sports. Uh, Bobby posted up a nice little opinion piece on the Red Sox the other day, which we never touched on tonight, but it's probably good we didn't because uh, my head probably would have exploded. Uh, but we're, we're, we're all over social media. Twitter, we are at Night Wrap. Uh, Instagram, we are at Night Wrap SNSW. Sunday Night Sports Wrap on Facebook. The SNSW Podcast on YouTube, where you can find the uh, monthly two-hour show, uh, Armchairs Ask Athletes, which comes out on uh, Monday, the 17th of August, tomorrow morning. Again, uh, Dave and Mike sit down with MMA fighter Hillary Rose, who will be fighting in Dana White's Contender Series on Tuesday night, August 18th. Uh, again, we're all going to be watching. Uh, th- this girl is phenomenal. If if you like what you hear, I mean, she's four and one in her career. One thing we didn't touch on in the promo, but she's four and one in her career. And uh, Cheyenne Bice, who she's fighting on Tuesday, is also four and one. This is a big fight for both of these women. Um, and man, I, I'm so pumped to watch this fight. But listen to the conversation uh, that Dave and Mike have with her, and you're going to love her too. Uh, she is phenomenal. Um, as we mentioned, also, we have the uh, New England Championship rewrap uh, that's coming out on. August 25th for uh, part one of the 2001 New England Patriots season. Uh, and then part two will come out September 1st, um, which will have the Super Bowl 36 in it. Uh, great content. I mean, we, you guys did phenomenal. I cry. Uh, we have some good stories. I like to mention it because people are going to be like, hell yeah, I want to hear Joe cry. And I like stop. And then Rayshon's crinkling a bag of popcorn. It's phenomenal. So uh, sorry, Ray. <laughs> sorry, I had I have to drop it because it's, it's hilarious when it happens. So, so um, if you like what you're hearing on our, on this podcast and all of our podcasts, we really want you uh, to, to tell us what you, how you feel, leave us a, a comment, uh, a rating, a review. Uh, tell us what you like about the episode, what you don't like about about the episode we love constructive criticism we give it to each other all the time um you know we we want to know what you want to hear about more in the future uh i i mentioned rayshon's uh blogs and everybody's blogs uh, and i tell you that they're going to be up on twitter but sunday night sports wrap.wordpress.com is where you can get to that website that's the first time i've dropped that tonight so make sure you head over there as well and check everything out but uh certainly follow along if you've enjoyed everything you've heard tonight um, guys, I, I know we're running a little over here, but I, I want to give you each just a, a second or two to kind of uh, maybe with the exception of Dave, because I don't think we can do it any more beautifully than Dave did. <laughs> uh, but I, I want to hear from Craig first. Craig, um, you know, you've, you've put so much of this together and helped us along the way and really given us some direction. You know, uh, we've got to hear from you too, man. I'm, I'm, um, 
I'm going to actually keep a little bit more local towards the high school, towards high school athletics. I know it's not something we touched about or we'll talk about that often, but I, I, it, it just crosses my mind that, you know, I haven't heard as much from uh, the fall athletic people about football, um, about when baseball was canceled. Now they're all in their upper right now. I heard nothing from these people when baseball was starting to get canceled and all, all those spring sports are starting to get canceled. Now football's getting canceled. It's the biggest uproar in the world. The biggest well, I think heard. It, uh, to, to play off that, I think baseball is one of those sports, even at the collegiate level, I've had this conversation with a number of people. Baseball is easy to play. Baseball and softball are two very easy sports that you should be able to play. I mean, I, I think we've all seen some sort of baseball this summer, whether it's been MLB. I mean, I've been out recruiting a little bit as well. So, you know, things can happen there, but I, I'm with you, Craig. I mean, there was no uproar, but now because it's football and football is king, as Mike has, has said before. So uh, with that good transition, Craig, thank you. Mike, what do you have to say to, to get us out of here? Yeah, so like my final thought is it, it has nothing really to do about sports. It's kind of about, about us. I think, you know, Joe, you mentioned like – or one of you mentioned like in, in, in college, like we were just six people who came together for two hours and talked about sports. Now, like we talk every day. So I, I think like it's just been awesome out of this entire thing, like just to get like a good group of six friends that you did not have really before that, that you know you can just go to and just – purposely piss off like I did to Ray earlier uh, and like everything's going to be cool. So I, I'm, I'm just super excited about this entire process. And I thank you guys all f- for your hard work. Ray, go ahead, babe. So we're not cool. No, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> and that's the end no, of the Sunday night. Yeah, that's so no, um, yeah, no, like I said, this, it's been an amazing experience just to get back to this. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm at a loss for words that we're even doing this right now, man, to be honest. Um, you know, like I said, I was just someone that kind of stumbled upon just meeting you guys, and now, you know, um, I'm, I'm a part of history, and we're a part of history. So it's like that, that's super uh, exciting, super dope for me. Um, and as I'll just end with this, as I'll most likely end uh, every show until it happens. Um, arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor, um, like yesterday, and it needs to happen immediately. So, absolutely, yes, sir, uh, Bobby Kelly. Uh, follow that up with Ray. Completely agree with that. Arrest the cops to kill Breonna Taylor. Um, honestly, one of the best things I- I've done in a very long time is comment on a random Facebook post from 10 years ago uh, that, that brought us all here together today. Um, it- it's honestly one of the best random Facebook comments I've made in my entire life. Um, I-, I couldn't be happier to be here at this very moment. Um, and, and the last thing I'll say is that the Toronto Raptors are a really good basketball team. <laughs> and to close this thing out, oh, Jesus. Dave's out of here. Dave's leaving. Dave's going to go out into the 100-degree weather in Los Angeles right now. Wink face in that group chat for a This has been planned. Of course it's planned. We should have known. We should have known the moment you, you hacked the Twitter that, that with the Cowboys content that you were going to talk about the Raptors. So, uh, this is ridiculous, Bobby. Just to finish this thing off, thank you, everyone, for joining us. Uh, one of the biggest things we want to do through all of this, we've always wanted to do it, um, is, is to share our takes on sports with you. Uh, share sports with, with your friends and family if you love sports. If you're watching, we assume you like sports. But uh, if there's something else, share it with friends and family uh, because we all need something uh, to share with each other right now with so much going on. Um, and, and as important as things are in the world, um, 
no matter what year it is, no matter what time it is, uh, we all need a distraction at some point, and it's okay to be distracted uh, even for a little while. So, guys, thank you so much for joining us this evening. I, uh, we saw so many people come in and out of the Facebook Live, um, so many people that we hold so uh, near and dear to our hearts. Uh, so for Rayshon Buchanan, uh, David Clark, Bob Kelly, Mike Marcangelo, the best producer in the world, Craig DeLisandro, I am Joe Malcolm. Thank you for joining us for Episode 1 of the Sunday Night Sports Wrap. Make sure to follow Follow us on Twitter at Night Rap, on Instagram at Night Rap SNSW, on Facebook, Sunday Night Sports Rap, the SNSW podcast on YouTube, and wherever you listen to your podcasts, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and iHeart. Go to our Buzzsprout page, snsw.buzzsprout.com. Tell us how you feel about everything. And uh, for the guys, we will see you in a month for our live show. Uh, but really listen to the Armchairs Ask Athletes tomorrow morning uh, and be on the lookout for the championship rewrap. Uh, our next show will be on the 27th of August, uh, We will have, which is a Thursday. We will have a pre-recorded one-hour uh, podcast for you. Uh, where we will fit in everything we can in an hour's time, even though this didn't take us two. So, guys, thank you very much. Craig, uh, why, don't you, uh, why don't you shut this thing down and uh, we can let Dave go eat some dinner. Have a good night, guys. Thank you. DC, I host the rock podcast, Back to the Arena, the interviews. It's about a 30-minute podcast where I talk one-on-one with a band who has released new music. You can find us on all the best podcast sites like Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, and more. If you're a rock fan like me, subscribe today to Back to the Arena, the interviews. Electric acid. Hey, it's Tim from 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys, the comedy podcast you had no idea you needed. Join Ben, Jeff, and me as we continue our musical road trip back through the years and around the globe. See, just when you thought all white guys were like Joe Rogan, you come across three educators trying to remember when we were cool. 50 Years of Music with 50-Year-Old White Guys. Electric acid.